Cool. Now we are both on screen. Yeah. All right. You ready? Yep. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to I Came With Fire podcast. This is our second popcorn podcast episode that we've ever done. Uh, this one we're calling mm-hmm. Zach Attack. Uh, obviously, there's a fresh face on here. You guys have seen him around on our social media. You've heard him on an episode or two already. Um, but this one, hopefully you get to know Zach a little bit better. Zach and I have known each other for a long time. So we met when we were deployed together. But uh, yeah, Zach Attack in full effect. What's up, man? Nothing much. Just uh, defending freedom. That's what I always like to say when people ask what's up. Dude. Putting butts in seats. Yep. I'm uh, filling quotas. Hell yeah, uh, man. Not enough, though, I guess. But yeah. But i trying my best. Oh, not enough? Yeah. You know, big Air Force is upset about it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool, man. Well, all right. So uh, I think everybody knows now how pod- Popcorn Podcast works. Um the episode is just a bunch of questions back and forth. Zach and I have pre-picked the questions beforehand. Neither of us know them, um, but we're just going to go back and forth and ask questions and have a good time. And uh, but, but there is some big news before we really jump into this. Mm. Yeah. What's that, uh, Gresham? The big news is uh, we have our first sponsor. So... Um, <laughs> Red Clover Coffee has been uh, kind enough to uh, finally, um, you know, get us our first sponsor. We've been trying to do that for a while, um, but uh, we do have a, a uh, discount code for them. Um, if you want to go check it out on our social media, you can head over to their site and buy some coffee and get ten percent off your order. Cool. What yeah, coffees would you recommend with the the I uh, came with fire discount code? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, like you said, if you go over there, came with fire at uh, checkout. Um, my favorite one, I've ordered from them a lot. Um, I have one right here with me. It's a their peanut butter one. It's super good. I know that sounds mm. weird, like peanut butter coffee, but it is actually really delicious. But my favorite one uh, that they make is one called Blueberry Invasion. I get that one all the time. Um, and I always tell people about it. And again, it's like, you know, blueberry and coffee seems like an odd combo, but it really isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, can't get enough of it. I drink it pretty often. So, yeah. Well, I'd assume like people probably eat muffins and stuff in the morning when they get coffee and they probably eat a blueberry muffin while they're drinking their coffee and they don't even realize it, but they went together. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good comparison. I think about that. I know that, uh, you had, um, some coffee and peanut butter and oatmeal at one point that was pretty revolutionary. Yeah. So I'm not much of a coffee drinker and, uh, at the deployment where we met, um, uh, a good friend of ours, uh, um, uh, he told me one day, he was like, Hey, eat this. And it was like coffee with oatmeal, um, like cinnamon sugar, like oatmeal, um, and coffee, uh, and peanut butter mixed together in a cup. And it kind of turned it into like a caffeinated, enriched oatmeal. <laughs> it was actually really, really good. I was actually really surprised by it. It was, it blew my mind. I don't know if maybe just because of where we were at and it was just ridiculous. So I just loved it because I haven't had it since. Um, so I'm wondering if I had it now, if my taste buds would have been like, nah, never mind, this ain't it. But yeah. uh, I'm not sure. I'll have to try it again. Dude, I, that's so true. I know that like after a while, the, the same food on deployment just gets 
old, I guess. Some days are better than others, yeah. like ta- Taco Tuesday, right? That never really yeah. got that old. Um, but, uh, the, you know, honestly, man, for for being what it was, the food there really wasn't that bad. No, it could have been way worse. And oh, yeah. we used to count down the weeks by Taco Tuesdays. We did. You, I would tell you, we've got 20 more Taco 20 more. Tuesdays, 15 more Taco Tuesdays. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, it's dorky things like that it's that make deploy. Yeah, it is. It makes you know, deployment go by faster kind of because you're like, oh shit, it's another Taco Tuesday. Like, damn, where did the week go or whatever? Yep. You know what I mean? Cool, man. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So you want to jump right well, in on these questions? these questions? Jinx. Get out of my head, Gresham. Dude. Mm. <laughs> you read my mind. Yeah. You want to go first or should I go first? Yeah, yeah I'll hit it first. Sweet. Um, my first question is a little weird. It's a lead up question to future ones. Okay. Um, so kind of how you answer should link up with uh, future questions. So my first question for you is, are birds real? Of course birds are real, bro. Dude, I, all right. So it's funny, it's funny that you mentioned this because I have another friend whose name is Zach. Uh, and uh, if he was listening, I know that he'd be like, oh, my God, I have so much to say about this question. And he even has a morale patch that he wears on his backpack that says birds aren't real. And um, Well, they're not real. So they're not. Okay. I, I applaud him. So here's my thing, right? Uh, I've heard this before, and I've had this conversation with people. Like, would I put it past the government to, um, you know, use birds as spies or build, like, drone birds to use as spies? No, I wouldn't. Yeah. And I'm sure that they absolutely have. Um, but like mm-hmm. the whole, like some people, I did, I, cause I've met some people that are like, dude, birds are not real. They're not real. It's like, dude, I had a, first off, I had a bird as a pet when my mom did growing up. And I don't think that was a government drone. Uh, secondly, there's actually, that was just the first Alexa in your house. Oh, actually, you know what? It could have been was listening to you. It was watching you. Maybe it was figuring it out. Maybe. Yeah. But, you know, you can go back throughout, you know, a lot of uh, art throughout history, reading. There's there's plenty of stories and, and uh, depictions of birds. So, yeah, birds are real. I'm sure that at some point they've been developed into uh, little spy drones. But, yeah. Well, the, the idea behind the question, right? So, like, birds aren't real and all that type of stuff. It's, uh, it's not saying birds never were real. Mm-hmm. obviously like ancestors of dinosaurs like the chicken is like the modern day t-rex which is hilarious to me that one of the most ferocious creatures ancestors a little chicken yeah <laughs> we we eat all we the time purposely breed yeah we purposely breed to just be super fat and like can't walk around on its own and like lives for like six weeks and then just turns into kentucky fried chicken pretty much <laughs> it's pretty good but the idea is that sometime in like the early 2000s, the U.S. government just decided to just wipe out all birds like in our borders uh, through the bird flu. Um, and then they uh, they just slowly replaced them with drones so that they could just monitor all Americans at all time. That'd be a pretty wild concept because like I- I've seen I've seen that whole thing about like how birds sit on electrical wires so they can recharge. And uh, yeah. It cracks me up, you know what I mean? Like, cause 
it's like one of those hiding hiding in plain sight things that you just wouldn't think yeah. of because like a bird landed on something they fly around all the time they got to come down sometime you know what i mean so you wouldn't think twice and you don't think twice because like as far back as i can remember i remember birds being on you know electrical wires or whatever you know what i mean mm-hmm. but uh i guess when you think about it the, the u.s government and other governments have used animals in the past to do spying. I know that like there was a program that the US government had that uh, we were trying to train dolphins to to spy and um, you know well, we've didn't, u- didn't we use didn't we use dolphins to like find mines during like World yeah, War II or something? They did. You try to train dolphins yeah. to be able to find mines. Yeah, which is actually that's actually kind of smart when you think about it. Dolphins are incredibly intelligent it first is. off. Um, and it's just like like we were just saying about birds you know, recharging on electrical wires, they're hidden in plain sight. If you, you're out in the ocean and you see a dolphin, like, yeah. oh, there it is, you know? Just like out being out in the forest. Yeah. Oh, there's a squirrel. You know what I mean? Like, it fits. It's little, supposed to be there. The, yeah, loads of the Germans know the dolphins all like, break, break, break. Uh, dolphin one, uh, <laughs> the USS Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Maybe it's what, like, the, the whole cryptologic language analyst job was just to transfer uh, or interpret dolphin eeks <laughs> dude maybe man we did a lot of pretty interesting things during world war ii with language and communication with the wind talkers and yeah. you know mm. but yeah pretty but i i don't know man do do i think that there is a large number of birds flying around that are government drones i can't i don't because like there's so much other so many other ways to do surveillance um especially now with like cell phones if you wanted to listen into somebody's conversation you know we just i just saw today that like whatsapp listens in like constantly which is nuts and it's not even the first time that there's been issues with whatsapp and i think we even talked about this when we were deployed how like all of our group chats were through whatsapp and uh we were talking about how they just recently been hacked and you know that you know the the links between you know facebook well now meta right uh, in the Chinese, like, just, it's just nuts. So, but I, I say it all the time, man, we should not be using WhatsApp and we still end up using WhatsApp. All these, you know, group chats at work, people just think you're crazy when you sit there and say like, Hey, this is not secure comms. We should not be talking about, yeah. like, if you want to use WhatsApp, yeah. like I'm in a WhatsApp group for, for rucking now. And it's like, cool. Like who cares? You know what I mean? Like we're not putting, we're not putting yeah. schedules. We're not putting times for work. We're not putting whatever else in there. It's just like, Hey, next Friday, we're going to do this. Like, you know, but yeah, but I, I bet WhatsApp though also tracks location. So it does. You it, there you go. You just proved me wrong with your phone and you don't know it, but like, let's say you're rucking on the base that you're at. You're technically mapping out the base for any adversary that wants to have it. That's true, man. Uh, that's a whole. That's a whole big thing of why Pokemon Go was like banned on all inst- like military installations. Like you technically can't even use it now on installations. The app knows if you're on installation and it like disables the camera and stuff. And it was yeah. because the U.S. government was afraid that you know all their airmen, soldiers, marines, sailors would be on a base. And in the background behind Pikachu is like a very important asset. And they're like trying to capture their Pikachu. And then China's looking at it going like, oh, look, there's their really cool thing. And then Dude. it maps out the whole base for them. Yep. When uh, when that first came out, I was stationed in Montana. And um, mm. 
we had multiple multiple times we had responses to people that had nothing to do with being on base being on base somehow you know what i mean like either they were brought on you know and they just made it through the gate or whatever and um if you've ever been to Malmstrom, you know right at the main gate is like the air museum and um you know it's got so it's got all these uh air platforms that are decommissioned it's got um you know missiles that are decommissioned all this stuff and uh there's a really big missile statue like or you know that's just there and it was like one of those like pokey towers where you go to for like resources or to battle or whatever and you go on the map and it, anyone could see that you know what i mean and so people were trying to get there because they knew that like something was there and um so it did like it became a big deal you can't go like if you could only go i remember to the air museum if you were actually visiting the air museum to visit the air museum because yeah. like the the visitor number went up exponentially and it was just people walking out there to just catch pokemon you know what i mean yeah. Like and uh, my shiny blast toys. No, it, exactly. And uh, but we had so many different responses uh, just just for that. And uh, I think it's funny too because I remember um, plenty of stories and people when we were deployed too, like trying to use VPNs and stuff to like catch Pokemon or whatever. But it's true, dude. And I remember hearing also um, there was a a base, a certain base. I don't know what it is, which base it is. Um, but they basically hired a contract or got a contract with a bus company. And uh, that bus company, you know, was going to come on base and they were going to do transport. But essentially that bus company was not what they said they were. You know what I mean? And the whole plan and point was to map the base out. You know what I mean? So those assets uh, or not assets, but those those sorts of people and uh, those those fronts definitely exist out there. So, but yeah, for sure. They use every try avenue to get there. You're talking about people coming to see him when I was at uh, Fairchild over in like Spokane area of Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, Fairchild Air Force Base has like a Burger King on it. And if you went to any maps, Google Maps, Apple Maps, you put in Burger King and it would take you to that. Well, the next closest Burger King was like a far away. So you get people who lived in Airway Heights, they'd put in Burger King and they'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll just go right here in 10 minutes. All the time you get people come to the gate. I'm trying to get to the Burger King. Yep. I'm like, hey, the BK Lounge is closed. You gotta go around. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you ain't got the coops. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the king said you ain't on his list. So That's true. Go somewhere else. Yeah. Now we uh, we got yeah, a Popeyes so... on base when I was in Montana, and uh, people people thought the same yeah. thing. We just come on and get Popeyes. Yeah. But yeah. yeah anyway. You're not coming on the military. Bird, birds are real. You're. Your drone chicken from Popeyes. Yeah. Nah, man. I, I think... Do I think they've been used before? Yeah, I would say that birds have been used as a... And there's probably some sort of fake fake drone bird. But, uh, yeah. yeah. There's probably one outside your window right now listening to you. You don't even know it. They, cool. What's up? <laughs> My phone's you're, listening you're, to me uh, right now. Yeah, your local CIA operative is like, we got him. We got him. We got him. He's too smart. Move in. Yeah, no, the, uh, I would say they probably have used it for sure. I just saw, like, early this week, um, taxidermists were turning, like, old birds into, like, actual drones that are, like, flying around. They look really sketchy. Like, they're not as fluid as, like, an actual bird or anything. They just look weird. Mm -hmm. Um, But they fly around and stuff. Um, that's not the first time the government would have done it. 
during the uh, Cold War, the government spent millions of dollars on this cat. It had like a microphone in it and a whole bunch of like interconnected wires and listening devices and like a GPS thing, all this stuff. And they were going to release it into Russia, like near the Kremlin and hoping that this cat would get like secret information and stuff that um, they wouldn't be able to get any other way. And uh-huh. so uh, they spent all this money on it and they took the cat to Russia and then they put the cat like out of the like car they sent it there and it went like a block or across the street and got hit by another car and instantly died. So they had Oh my to, god. Yeah, they had to go scrap this cat and like pick it up and like hopefully you know no Russians saw or anything, but yeah, it was a huge ordeal, a ton of money and they just decided scrap that idea. Dude, could you imagine being the handler for that cat and having to scrape that thing off the ground? Like <laughs> Like, first off, how weird will you look going to pick up roadkill off the ground? You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess, like, at least, like, you could try and play off a cat as, like, a pet, and you could pick it up and be like, ooh, my cat. You know what I mean? And, I don't know, people are like, oh, man, that sucks for that guy. You know, but meanwhile. It's like a wire sticking out of it. It's got it out of its ass. You know, just like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, sorry. It's a prosthetic tail. You know? (laughs) Why is it beeping? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. It's its well, pace. Got, it's its I pacemaker. It's its pacemaker. Yeah. I gotta. Bye. Deuces, comrade. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Um, Putin, are you calling for me? See you later. Yep. <laughs> that's funny. But no, I'll just end that bird thing before we get to your next question. With uh, if it flies, it spies. So don't trust it in the air. It's uh, it's spying on you. That's some good advice, dude. I'm never gonna look What's up at up at a bird the yeah. same. Well, if you think about it, when COVID really kicked off, right? Um, did you notice any birds? I mean, I lived in when COVID like happened. I lived in Germany, and uh, the little apartment I had was at like the top of a hill next to a bell mm-hmm. tower for the church and a bunch of trees. And so, I mean, personally, yes, because all the birds like kind of would hang out in the bell tower and then all the trees around me, and I constantly had bird noise, but this, this is just me. Yeah. What about you? I you think like you were going somewhere with that. Maybe I, sh- maybe well, yeah, I should on say, an like, accident. There was like a running joke during COVID where uh, like mm-hmm. the people were like, birds aren't real. They were like saying that, well, I've noticed a lot less birds now. It must be like the... COVID is just used for like the big annual update or something for the birds. Dude, so that's gotta, like capture them all. And then, dude, <laughs> that's so funny. Streets, so they can't see it. I say that's so funny because I remember even seeing like when COVID was happening, all these people were like, oh man, it's the 5G. You know, 5G is causing COVID, right? And uh, I remember someone like a couple people on Facebook or whatever sharing these videos of birds like attacking 5G towers. You know what I mean? Like, oh, look, even the animals know it's wrong. You know what I mean? Uh, Drones were attacking the Chinese 5G mm. towers because drones were American and they're taking out the Chinese 5G towers because they know it was causing COVID. You heard it here first. There it is. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. I'll put on the next weekly Wednesday roundup. I appreciate it. Hopefully, hopefully people start to realize what really caused it. Yep, that's a total well, joke, have... by the way. It is. <laughs> hopefully, people can realize uh, that as 
the Zach on this podcast. I'm extremely sarcastic. <laughs> and that's okay. That's why we like Zach. Thanks. Yeah. I like me too. Oh, good. All right. You ready for my question? Yeah, enough about bird drums. Okay. If you could go back in time and witness a single or, or more than one event, and put it that way, which would it be or which would they be and why would you go uh, and witness those events? So I'm just witnessing them. Like I can't alter them? Correct. Like you are there as an invisible, uh, unable to interact bystander. Like you're just standing there watching this. Okay. No one knows you're there. No one can see you. You can't interact with anybody. Go. Okay. You just witness. Mm. There's a lot of things that I'd love to see. Yeah. Like a lot of just normal history stuff. Like I'm thinking of like ancient Rome. Oh, yeah. Um, like the Egypt. Like I think it'd be cool to be there to see how the pyramids are actually built. Like watch it be like some alien spacecraft. You're like, what the... But I think it would be interesting, even if you had that knowledge, like you'd come back to this time, you're like trying to tell people like, I know how it was, and then no one would believe you anyway. So it's kind of just something you would just know. Um, but if I had to pick one, one event, I'd probably go back to when the founding fathers were writing like the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Okay. Because I want to be there to kind of see what they were talking about at that time. Plus, I'd be able to understand it. Because, like, technically your question doesn't say you can't understand it, but I feel like if I went back to, like, ancient Rome and they're, like, speaking to each other, I don't hmm. know the language. So I'd be okay. like, I got no idea what you're saying, but it looks cool, right? Right. At least if I went back to, like, the founding fathers, yeah, they'd be speaking a different, like, an older version of English. Mm -hmm. But I would relatively know what they were talking about, and I could right up exactly what's being said. Um but the big thing here is I want to understand their exact, like, why did they write the First Amendment the way it was? Why did they write the Second Amendment the way it was? The Third, the Fourth, the Fifth, like all of them, right? Um, what was going through their head when they decided as 13 colonies were going to fight Great Britain, the largest military, the largest navy ever in their existence, and we're going to, as just dudes with rifles and a couple pistols, we're going to fight them, right? Right. Um I think that'd be really interesting to see. I think it'd be kind of cool to see them in their exact element, not just what was written about them. Right? Um, I want to see them actually doing what they're doing. I want to see George Washington and like all that type of stuff and like how he wakes up. What does he do? He's kind of like chilling, you know? I think that gives a lot to who the person is. Um, and I think it'd be cool to see the founding fathers as people and not as we as Americans tend to, yes, they are the founding fathers. They are like the creators of democracy and freedom and all this type of stuff but um as americans we kind of tend to put them on a super high pedestal and forget that they were just average people like you and i mm -hmm. we can be just as great as our founding fathers at any time in history um i think we kind of humanize them and see them as just who they were just great americans preserving freedom i like that answer um, I like the aspect of, of humanizing them, just seeing anybody. Mm -hmm. I think that no matter what you went back and witnessed, it would humanize it 
uh, in any, you know, any way. Right. So like you said, if you went back that I've heard people answer this question before, and that's a pretty common one that comes up when you said like, I would want to go see the pyramids being built. And, you know, if you did have like a time machine and you could go back and watch, you know, anything and, you know, watch it happen in real time. Like that is definitely something I would go and watch is, is the pyramids go Mm -hmm. up. Um, I would see a lot of things happen for sure. But, uh, um, it would give you that element of humans doing something and understanding and being there. You know, you're not potentially, you know, based on the criteria we outlined, you're not participating in writing the Declaration of Independence or or building the pyramids or whatever, but you're witnessing it happen. So that kind of like almost like boots on the ground idea that you'd have about it, you know, it would make it more real for you than as if you were, you know, being told, even if somebody could say definitively, like we know how the Declaration of Independence was written, but being there as it as it happening, you know what I mean? That would give you not just um, that feeling of humanizing it, but a deeper and richer appreciation for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Because I bet there was like, there's like arguments there. I bet you know someone's sure like, all were. right, let's let's uh, write up the Second Amendment or something. All right, how should it be said? And I bet one person's like, oh, what does it need to be specific? You can be vague. Say put bare arms. Everyone knows you could put bare arms on your wall. Like they won't misintrude that in any way. It's like a yeah. guy joke or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they wrote it a sp- specific way for a reason. I want to kind of be there when they came up to that reasoning because it wasn't. They didn't just sit down and like ten minutes figure it out. Mm-hmm. I was like this took days, weeks, months. So like when they're sitting there discussing it, debating it. I want to see all sides and where it finally came together. You know what I mean? No, totally. So let's change it up a little bit then. If you could go back, like considering your answer, if you could go back and somehow, right, without freaking them the hell out, okay, identify yourself, you know, and, and prove and get them to understand that you're from America a later time. What sort of information or knowledge, you know, about the future would you impart on them to try and, you know, maybe make some of their instructions a little clearer to future generations, if that makes sense? So there's a part of me that wants to just be uh, very ignorant in this answer, with the human element of this answer, right? You want what I want, right? Um. And I would probably be like, hey, when you write that Second Amendment, uh, you got to write it exactly like this. Like, every American can have, like, the weapons equal to the state or the federal government, and there's no restrictions. Like, that's what it needs to say. And any restrictions of this is tyranny or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And that would be very black and white. But there's also the part of me that still sees... I do believe that they read it as a timeless document and that's what they intended it to be. And I think that regardless of how I could have conveyed them to write it, there would still be opponents against whatever was written, even if it was for sure, very black and white. So, um, yeah, the ignorant side of me would go back and change things to be very black and white. I'd probably tell them, yeah, you might want to put like no slavery in there. Like now we don't need to wait till the civil war. And they'll probably be like, Civil War? I'm like, yeah, that's coming, you know? <laughs> so, like, I would I would put probably some stuff in there to protect 
future atrocities that would happen as well. But um, realistically, I wouldn't change a thing, honestly. Like, thinking it from, like, take a step back, I would not want to interfere with it. Um, there's, like, that butterfly effect idea to where, like, if you just change one thing, you have no idea what it causes later. And just me maybe adding one word to that whole thing um, could just change the whole outcome of the United States. And I still believe that America today is the greatest country that's ever existed. Um, it fights whether we are in turmoil or not. It fights for preservation of freedom and democracy and individual liberty and all that type of stuff. Um, and no matter what, there's going to be a whole bunch of different opinions on what it stands for, but I think I would just leave it be. Because knowing Ben Franklin, I bet if he saw me come from the future, you better believe, like, the second I disappear, he's figuring out time travel. Like, like he's... <laughs> and that would alter a whole bunch of other stuff. So regardless if they believe me or not, it would blow their minds and it would it would mess with too many things. I think that's a really good answer. Um, I'm going to respond back to you in a couple of different parts, right? So um, I totally agree with the idea that, you know, you're going back and you're trying to make the language... Um, more straightforward, black and white, um, no matter what you say, there's always going to be somebody who is going to disagree with you. It's like those stupid memes you see where it's just a blank meme with a stick and it says fight about it. You know what I mean? Like somebody will yeah. always find something to say to disagree with you. I mean, yep. let's be honest. You know, you've been in leadership positions before. No matter how much you try and appease everyone or dot every I and, you know, cross every T, there's always going to be someone somewhere who takes issue with something that you do, right? So, mm -hmm. and I think you're totally right in that, you know, you could go back and try and change certain language or whatever. You'd have to be really careful, you know, about if, if that was something that was even going on. You'd be very careful about what you yeah. put in there, how you put it in there. You know, you couldn't write in there and be like, and everyone can own a tank because then everyone would be like, what is a tank? And how do they yeah. know? You know, or whatever. But... <laughs> You know, um, I think it's interesting the thing you said about slavery too, because and then you said you said something about Benjamin Franklin. Um, Benjamin Franklin actually was somebody who tried to you know petition them to 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 end slavery yeah. and, and brought mentioned it. Um, you know, he was part of something called the Society of Friends. Um, yep. and, uh, he wrote letters about it. And in the end, you know, they decided essentially that they could not get all of the colonies to band together against the British if they went after chattel slavery, you know, in yes. that moment. Um, they had to choose the lesser, the lesser of the evils, I guess, to. Right. And that's right. Yeah. And that's. Yeah. But uh, I just I've always found that interesting, you know, because when you talk about American people talk about American history, not just you, but like proverbially, you know, you talk about American history. That's one of the first things people like to bring up and, and for good reason. Yeah, you know what I mean? Had slave. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, he did. It was the time frame. But it's like he was also a proponent saying that it should have never happened. And where he was at in this position, you're kind of like in a. He could not have built America at that time. 
while going against what majority of the time was kind of still doing. I, I just look at it as like these these are things like you said you don't know what sort of effect you're going to have down the road, and you can't yep. when you look at history you can't look at it through the lens of what's going on today what we know better you know about mm-hmm. you know the world now. Um, and it's one of those things that I think that our founding fathers, the people that, you know, the colonists back then, they understood. I mean, obviously there were those who were, you know, for slavery and wanted it and, you know, felt some pretty terrible types of way about certain people. Um, but I think that uh, it doesn't make slavery okay and it doesn't excuse the the concept of slavery, but the understanding there's not you know, not a lot of people understand that that was a conversation that actually was happening at that time, you know, trying to understand what we we're going to do to try to throw off the yoke of the British government, right? And what are we yep. going to do and what we need to do to get everybody to, to you know, come together and fight this off, you know what I mean? So I think you, yep. you just made me think about, you know, an interesting, uh, you know, the concept that people don't, I feel like don't really understand um, about our history and that the, that conversation yep. did happen prior to, know abraham lincoln yeah. right because it's about all that yep. anybody knows yep. at the end of the day my father was still human they were like i said they they were like you and me and uh um, and everyone else listening to this podcast or watching it on youtube and stuff like that and if you are make sure you like comment subscribe all that type, all that fun stuff it really helps us out um but that being said um they're they were human at the end of the day they know they didn't make a perfect like country or nation or government in that moment they knew what they did is they built the bedrock for it yeah and they had faith and trust in the american people over the next hundreds of years would continue to have this virtue um for this cause so either they they didn't they didn't snuff out like slavery and a whole bunch of other issues at that time but they knew the document that they wrote and they knew the government ideals that they made would eventually lead to freedom and justice for all well here's the thing and it's doing that today right and what you said when you were responding first you said you know even though we're a nation in turmoil right now right we america still stands for those ideals and that's because people are in turmoil right and people created a society and the apparatus that holds up our society and you know those apparatuses are corrupt because people are corrupt but america is not people america is ideals america is the beliefs right and so that's why when you know you carry whether you're in the military or not you carry those ideals with you wherever you go that's what america is um it's like that scene from from gladiator when when marcus aurelius is talking to maximus right and he says you know rome was a whisper right because rome is not just a place rome is not just the people rome is an idea and America is yeah. an idea. America is a belief, and there's there's a almost a religious style of faith in those concepts and ideas that does exist for a lot of Americans in general and people who believe in freedom. But America doesn't exist um, just because you know there's people. America is is ideals. America is a belief system. America is a morality that transcends people. So I like that. Yeah, that was a good answer. Um, you, you didn't fully answer the question you asked me. Mm. You said you would go like to Egypt. Yeah, but like, where exactly would you want to go? Would it be Egypt? Would you want to go see the Sphinx or yeah. pyramids? Or... So I think I'm going to cheat on my the answer. answer. Led us on a on a tangent. So yeah, um, dude, I've grown up 
I've grown up a history buff my whole life. I think it would be amazing to go and see the signing of the Declaration of Independence and the drafting of the Constitution. And, uh, you know, I think it would be amazing to go see all those things. Um, but my the curiosity of my mind um, that has you know loved history forever, uh, I would want to go see all the the tropey things like the pyramids being built. You know, I would want to go mm. see. You know, I would want to go see uh, you know the Mongols invade Japan and watch the samurai kick the shit out of them. Um, I would, you know, all these these things like that. I would want to go. I would go see a lot of stuff, man. I, it would be cool to go watch Lewis and Clark put together, you know, the group of people that they would travel across, you know, the what would become the United States. You know, um, I would want to go see uh, Joan of Arc. Uh, I would want to go and see. Um, you know, the Norman invasion of, of modern day England, right? And mm-hmm. understanding just some of the significance historically that stuff like that had um, and changed the entire course of, you know, the world. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, definitely just that single event, right? Um, you know, William the Conqueror taking, you know, the Norman army, right? And invading modern day England and then, you know, England becoming going from Anglo-Saxon to Anglo-Norman, right? And just what that changed, you know what I mean? For Europe, mm-hmm. the landscape of Europe, and then in turn us, right? Because we're all, yeah. you know, for the most part, Americans, you know, are descendants of Europeans, a lot of us, you know what I mean? And so yep. that's what that's how that happens. So I would want to go see things that have great historical significance. Um, and then all the, like I said, you know, how the pyramids were built. So all these curiosity things just to understand, you know, but you think about it, like you go, if you had the ability to do that and you came back and you're like, this is how they built the pyramids. Again, people would be like, bullshit, yeah. bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Here's how that couldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, I literally watched them do it. Yeah, because right. Because what if it was aliens, and then you come back and you're like, "Fuck, can I even tell anybody this now?" You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like they use sound waves to lift these massive blocks in the air. Is it? Would anybody believe me? You know, these are all like real things people talk about. Oh. You know? What? Yeah. It's it, it's crazy. Sure. Uh, there's obviously a whole bunch of stuff that I'd want to go see too. There's just so much history that we've lost to like. The Library of Alexandria just being burned oh, down, yeah. a whole bunch of stuff. So, um, especially the Central and South American back. cultures. Yes, for sure. But it'll be kind of funny to like see, like, like go back and like, I want to see Genghis Khan and uh, see him murder all these men and then sleep with all these women and how I'm related <laughs> to him because, like, you know, no. like, what is it like seven of us are related to him or something crazy? It's true. <laughs> so. Um, I'd want to. I want to go see him become like my great, 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 whatever it is, grandfather. So, <laughs> no, it's true, man. I want to go. Yeah, I'd want to potentially go see uh, 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 Noah's Ark and the flooding. Was it worldwide or was it just the Mediterranean? And it's just the world they knew. Like, there's a whole bunch of things that I think if you saw it would put it in perspective and really make you understand a bunch of weird stuff. But again, you could have all that knowledge and then you'd come back and you'd just be insane. That's 100% something I think happened is, is a worldwide flood because Noah's Ark first off is, is not the first time there is a record of a, a massive flood overcoming the earth. Right. And there's all these cultures that had nothing to do with, you know, the, I was just about to say that. Yep. 
a whole bunch of cultures have a flood they do story they have a flood, a flood myth, myth. Yep, they do. To me, that's something, and obviously there's no way I can just say, hey, this happened and then back it up completely with irrefutable evidence. But I do 100% believe Mm -hmm. that there was a point in our history, humankind, um, that a flood happened and wiped out a large portion of us. Um, And maybe it's a topic, well, I'll say this, right? Um, We did a poll this week and talked about, uh, and it asked people what they wanted to talk about in the ancient civilization thing. Mm-hmm. One, I haven't announced that on social media yet. So if you're listening, right, but it did. And that's, there's, um, obviously he's, he's a little infamous, I guess you could say famous or infamous, but, um, Graham Hancock likes to talk about that a lot when he talks about the Younger Dryas event um, and how, you know, and him and Randall Carlson discuss a lot about a massive um, warming up because of, uh, meteorites striking the earth particularly the north american ice shelf and causing uh massive flooding you know so but that's That's we can save that for another episode right we can save that one but i that's something i would want to go see safely right there's your you know bystander where you can't (laughs) i'm not gonna get swallowed up in this massive deluge of water (laughs) you know and die um but uh that'd be just to see, I guess. That'd be pretty some pretty awesome yeah. and like a terrifying way to witness. Imagine you go back and you're looking at it and Noah's Ark is like just like a little tugboat and he's got like what like a pig and a cow of them. And you're like, that's it? Like <laughs> Well dude, you think about the reality of sticking two of every animal on a boat, like Yeah. It just to me, it's like, you, do you remember that movie um, when we were kids? It's called Titan AE. I don't. Can you kind of describe it a little bit better? Yeah, so Titan AE is, um, is kind of like a modern and futuristic telling in a way of Noah's Ark. Um, there's not like this grand... Um, you know, God told somebody to build a spaceship and then, you know, coincidentally that spaceship was going to save. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. but basically earth finds out there's this alien race that wants to come and just destroy earth because that's what they do. They destroy all these other planets. Right. And, um, they do build this massive planet sized ship and they stick right the dna for every living thing on this ship right so when you think about it conceptually you it's a noah's ark of sorts because the dna for all these animals plant species human beings they all exist on this ship and the ship departed earth prior to earth because it does end up getting destroyed and it casts humans across you know the the universe and they become this like you know Mm. vagrant species of people but um the whole point is he's supposed to go find this this ship that they can start a planet with because it has you know literally the blueprint for all of earth kind on it you know what i mean so in a way the spaceship is kind of like the ark and it fit everything on there because it's all you know dna or samples or whatever you know what i mean so i've always found that to be an interesting concept that movie um because it's definitely a way you could fit one of every species on a single craft is in that form you know what i mean yeah well there's there's the idea um we, we could probably do all pockets up about this too mm-hmm. um we take the bible try to make it like relatively realistic yeah i'm not saying the bible's not realistic there's people who believe it will hardly everything like i guess put it into terms that we would understand today with like science and technology and stuff right um 
and there there is the idea that like Adam and Eve like humanity or something was originally on Mars and it was like failing mm-hmm. and Adam and Eve were like the two humans who escaped and came to Earth to like yeah. continue the civilization and Earth is just the Garden of Eden and they were the first there and then they started repopulating there's a whole there's a whole theory about that too I've heard that it's just uh, it's just an interesting telling and that's just how like uh, humans at the time can write it because then you get the idea of like oh spacecraft or the fiery chariots in the sky and a whole bunch of other stuff so well when uh, you that's obviously what they would think for sure and when you think about the bible you got to think about you know when it was written people um sure obviously there was written language and people who knew how to write and record history, but a lot of what was still going on is oral tradition. And one of the easiest ways to explain things to people, if you're doing it in an oral tradition sort of way, is to tell it in stories and parables and analogies. So the concepts themselves are passed on. And that, you know, being the most important thing about that is the concept of the story, not necessarily, you know, the exact words, you know, you heard from your great grandfather telling you about this thing, but that you understand and grasp the principles of it um and that's how it carries on you know what i mean because we've all played the telephone game and that happens you know what i mean um so i think that's what a lot of these you know the stories are is they're there as a means to get you to understand a concept and not necessarily to be taken as as the exact truth you know what i mean yeah yeah all right you ready for your next question? question? Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, um, we're both obviously in the Air Force. Uh, you've been in how many years? 14, 15? 13. 13. Oh, I was giving you extra years. You could use that extra pay. That, I wish um, that could, I wish that mattered. <laughs> so, you've been in 13 years. Um, I'm just about to hit the end of my 12th year and start my 13th in mm-hmm. December. Um, it's a little ways out, but. I always count it down. Um, Taco Tuesdays. My question for you. So I'm a recruiter, obviously. I have to figure out the why as to, like, someone wants to join and stuff. So um, my question for you is what was your why to join the Air Force? Hmm. And then usually people's why to join is not why they stay. You obviously re-enlisted more than likely twice. Um, so um, why did you stay in the Air Force? That's my question for you. Two-part. Why I came in, why I stayed in. Right, okay. Um, So I'm a military brat. I think I've said that before. I know I've said that before Mm -hmm. in this podcast. So my appreciation of the Air Force, my appreciation of the military at large in the United States, and um, all of that uh, has kind of just been instilled in me my whole life. Um, You know, my dad has always talked to us about it and, you know, um, instilled a love of country in me for sure. Um, but for me, joining the Air Force was not, um, it didn't have this like massive epiphany of, um, you know, just paid, you know, overwater, overwhelming patriotic feeling that I was just like, I need to join, you know, I didn't have my Chris Kyle walking into the Navy recruiter yeah. moment, you know what I mean? Um, but, uh, I need to be the best sniper ever right now. Right. Yeah. No, I didn't have that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when I, I, I got out of high school. Um, I went to college for a couple years. Um, you know, I got, I got an associate's degree. Um, and really after a couple years of, of going to school, 
I think just the overwhelming feeling I had at the time was that I needed to do something more and that what I was doing, I wasn't happy with. And, um, you know, the goals, what'd you go to school for? What was your reason or your associates and stuff? Yeah. So the associates I got, uh, is, is, uh, the first half of a secondary education degree. I wanted to be a teacher, specifically a history teacher. Um, okay. and, uh, you know, the idea, the, <laughs> the idea of being a history teacher still appeals to me. Um, but, uh, I just, I did, I kind of realized that there was something else I wanted to do. And the, um, the calling of the air force, um, got to me. I had a few friends that, um, you know, they went in and I was like, you know, man, like, that that is what I need to do. And, you know, I see, you know, just them serving and feeling like I want to serve. And my my dad was still in like him and I served like not together, but like concurrently he was still in while I was in. Um, and so I joined and made the decision to join. And coincidentally, um, my recruiter there um, near St. Louis actually works on the uh, base I'm stationed at now. Um, and oh, nice. I got I know I got to see her again. It was pretty cool. Um went and when i pcs here you know i hit her up on fit well actually she hit me up on facebook and was like oh you're going there and i was like yeah she's like did i work on base come see me here and she's like you know you might even have to see me for in processing and i was like oh shit that's funny and um so uh she's a civilian now she's retired but uh went and saw her and i you know it's like it's so weird to me that i'm the same rank now you were when you recruited me you know what i mean like we're yeah i'm yeah, a tech yeah. You know, you were a tech at the time, like, you know, she's like, I know, time goes by really quick. And she's like, you know, we talked and just had a good conversation. It was kind of cool. But um, why I re-enlisted, man, you know, I, when I joined, I had the decision that I was not going to just do a, um, you know, one and done, not going to just get out after four or six. Um, and I was, I did enlist for six. And, um, you know, I, I just, it was not even a question for me if I was going to reenlist or not, like the time came and I was going to do it. Um, you know, and I know I said before that, like, I did not have this, just this like massive flooding, like this moment where it was like, this is it. I have to go in. There's no other way for me. Um, but I will say this, that while, you know, I grow, grew up being a military brat and learning to appreciate what the Air Force can do for me, what, you know, I wanted to have a family later in life and what that could do for having a family and all this stuff. But, you know, getting to travel the world, seeing what we do as an Air Force and as a military force, you know, at large, it 100% has has made me realize just how great of a nation we really are and that the people that decide to wake up in the morning or get up at night and go to work and we just the people that put on a uniform we do like those ideals that we talked about before you know all of us still believe in those things because they matter and they're real and you know you no matter who you are you don't have to be an american to appreciate freedom you don't have to be an american to want liberty you know those ideals are meant for everybody you know and so those people that you work you know on your left and your right that they believe in that and you go and you see some places in the world that don't have that you know so for me it's just like that is 100% something in the back of my mind that i think about that these are just you're carrying out you're an embodiment of those things then your embodiment of the goodness that we're all supposed to stand for and i'm not trying to sound like you know oh you know thank me for my service or something stupid i don't feel that way at all and most of us don't like being told that for the most part you know what i mean there are those recruiter now it drives me up a wall i couldn't imagine walk around in my uniform all the time and thank you for your service thank you for your service yeah. i used to never know what to say yeah and like you don't want to be egotistical and be like you're welcome 
Oh, oh no. Like, like I, I would just say, like, you know, thank you for your support, you know. And obviously, I, appre- yep. I appreciate the fact that people want to say that because to me, it's just like I heard somebody say one time, um, you know, thank you for being an American worth fighting for, you know. And I, I've always liked that, too, because, you know, it's just obviously people say it to you because they appreciate it and something compels them to come up and say that to you. But I think it's just like when somebody pays you a compliment in general and just kind of that compliment, like, Oh man, you know, not to you buddy, but your hair looks nice today. Um, and you're like, Oh, thanks. <laughs> and, uh, your hair, looks nice every day. It, your hair does look nice every day, but, uh, you know, you're just like, Oh, thanks. You know, maybe, you know, you taking a compliment feels awkward. And so there's like that it small does. feeling, but like, um, you know, it's always appreciated when someone says that it just, you know, makes you feel awkward for a second because you know you don't we don't none of us think we're these heroes or whatever is you know society like portrays and that's not what i'm trying to say um you know when i say that i feel like you know the embodiment we all a lot of people feel like the embodiment of those good ideals it just it is you know and you're there really for the people on your left and right who who think and feel the same way you do you know put their pants on the same way you do and um, you know, you've come, I've come to, and all of us, I think, to have stayed in and been in long enough. Like you've, you're over that ten year hump. Like I'm over that ten year hump, yep. you know. And yep. you know, you just realize, and and you grow to love what our country stands for. And no matter what anybody says, this really is the greatest country on the face of the earth. And it's it's the greatest group of people, good and bad, you know, that that we have in our country. You know, this this American experiment. You know what I mean? So that's, that's a long answer, but my why for sure is, is all of those things. There's not a single, single why. Yeah. What about you? Um, so before I get to my why, uh, you said like, you usually respond back, like, uh, thank you for the support. And that's usually my go-to. Yeah. I've learned in recruiting, um, something that I like to say, and I usually say this to like, like older women and stuff, I'll say, uh, you're worth it. And it just... It butters them up. It makes them melt. They're like, they're like, thank you for your service. And I go, yeah, you're worth it. And they just go, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, dude. <laughs> it it just gets them every time. I only I save it for like very specific type of personalities because I know they'll just like melt with it. It's so funny. Right. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah. So, uh, my why um, why I joined the Air Force was uh, because most I wanted to be a cop. Um, so my, my high school, um, Monroe high school, uh, class of 2011, go Bearcats. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, they had a class called culminating challenge. It was a mandatory class you had to do in your senior year and you had to like take a test and the test would tell you, um, like what you would be good at. It was like an emotionality test. Um, can you hear my bell thing? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, cool. Never mind. So there's an emotionality test, um, kind of to figure out what you'd be good at and stuff like that. And so, um, it pretty much told me like police officer, and then it said like military, and then it said like security guard, and then like so all of these like you're all A-type, those things. Yeah, all these like A type, um, help people type stuff. So it's like, oh, be a cop. That's kind of cool. So uh, you had to in this culinary challenge class, you had to. Um, shadow a like person in that career field and see if it'd be something you'd want to do all type of stuff so i did a bunch of ride-alongs with monroe police department there was an officer kelly pitts who i rode along with and uh i asked him i was like hey sir uh how do i become a cop and he was like well first you got to grow up you gotta stop being like a kid and i was like oh 
was a 17, 18 year old, very young man, right? And I was thinking like, what, what do you mean? You know, I could just be a cop. And he pretty much just laid it out to me. He just said, no department's gonna hire an 18 year old boy, fresh out of high school, full of testosterone and make them a cop. Ain't gonna happen. Uh, you're too um, rambunctious, you're indecisive, you're too, you're gonna be too arrogant, like all this stuff. And he's like, what you need to do is you need to get some experience and some maturity and grow up a bit. And when he told me that, I was like, what does this guy know? He doesn't know me, blah, blah, blah. I thought, you know, I was very immature, all this type of stuff. Younger me was very arrogant. Um, so I guess he was right about that. Um, <laughs> but I, I, uh, I took his, I was mad at him at first, but it was something I needed to hear, right? Mm -hmm. And so I took his advice. And so I started looking into, okay, so how do I mature up? I didn't want to go to college. I didn't like high school or school to begin with anyways. I also didn't want to spend a bunch of time and money effort into um, something that may not play out or something that I might not like, especially because it'd probably be my dad's money, wouldn't even be my money at that point. And I didn't want to do that to my father and things like that. Yeah. Um, I looked into military branches, specifically into like military police, because that's what I wanted to fine tune it towards. I spoke to every branch except the Navy. I didn't speak to the Navy because I don't like boats and I get seasick, so it wasn't going to work out. <laughs> so I just didn't even talk to them. Um, but I spoke with the Marines and they're like, oh yeah, we'll make you make you a devil dog, make you a Marine, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, all right, that's great. Those are titles. Sure. Uh, something challenging, but how does that help me afterwards? Right. And they're like, oh, you'll be a Marine. You'll be a devil dog. Everyone will love you. And I'm like, okay, you're not. Yeah, you'll be in the best cult in the world. Yeah, the most cultiest of cults. Right. And so uh, that didn't work out. I spoke to the Army, and honestly, what turned me away from the Army was the Army recruiter. He was this big, fat dude. I can't even remember his name. I'm kind of shocked. He was just like super la Yeah, he was like super lazy, I felt like. And he was just like, yeah, man, like, we could make you an MP, blah, blah, blah. And I was like this doesn't look professional. You don't sound professional. Like it's not what I want to do. Well, dude, and, um, and when you, when the air force or the military in general is going to put somebody in front of people that aren't in the military, they're very selective. Yeah. Like I know for a fact that like, you're applying to do this job or it'd be, be an MTI mm -hmm. or whatever. You have to send photos of yourself in uniform. And yes. if you look like shit, they're not going to pick you. So that's actually really surprising considering, I mean, let's just be honest here. Like the army has stricter fitness standards, you know, and is, is, is harder on standards in general than the air force is. So that's pretty surprising. So in recruiting, I actually learned that, um, army offices, they have like a guard recruiter, a reserve recruiter and active duty recruiters all together. Mm. And the guy I was talking to was actually a guard recruiter. That makes sense. Um, yeah, it makes sense now. But he could, like, recruit for any positions, like reserve, right. guard, or active. Um, the Air Force separates them all. So, like, I could only recruit for active. That's it. I can't yeah. do guard or reserve. Um, but anyways, so I didn't like that situation. So I went to the Air Force, and there was a Staff Sergeant Harris at the time. He's mm -hmm. now a Senior Master Sergeant Harris. He's at a he's a recruiting, like, flight chief or superintendent somewhere in California. Okay. Um, uh, not near you, I don't think. I think he's, like, way down south. Mm. Um but he, uh, I walked in, and he stood up all nice. He looked sharp, shook my hand. How can I help you, man? What are you looking to do? And I was like, well, I really want to be a cop, but I'm too young, and I don't want to go to college. And he's like, boy, do I got a job for you. You ever heard of security forces? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, no, what's that? And then he showed me the super cool YouTube video of us driving around on ETVs and 
doing a bunch of badass stuff, and I was sold. So. <laughs> you ever heard of Boat Patrol? <laughs> yeah. Boat Patrol? Yeah. In the air? No, no, no. no. On land. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I did that. Um, so I joined to become a cop. That's the whole reason why I joined. Uh, young Airman uh, Smith was still very arrogant, uh, as obviously, as you know, as a new Airman Security Forces, most of what you do is sit at a gate shack or stare off into a field, yep. count rivets on a B-52 um, or an, on an AWAC. And I don't remember the exact number, but like the left wing of an AWAC has like 2,000-something rivets because I had it counted. But good good to know. Did you number. name the rivets? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, okay. Did you name rivets? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, um, so early on, I was like, man, this is lame. This is stupid. Like, I'm just a glorified security guard. What, like, I don't do anything important. Like, obviously, as, like, a police officer in the military, like, who am I really responding to? They're all, like, usually pretty good people, all this stuff. Um, Dude. And so, this leads into my why of why I stayed. So, okay. Station at Air Base, Japan, um... I was still an A1C. I was about to put on senior airman, so I'm probably about like two years into the Air Force. Um, and uh, I was an external security response team member. Uh, so I drive around on the outside of the flight line. For people who don't know, I can respond to onto the flight line for things, but mostly we stay outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was super early in the morning. I was working nights, like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and there was a traffic accident. And so BDOC, which is like our dispatch, they told us, because we were the closest, or just happened to be nearby in that area, to go to this traffic accident, because they just thought it was a minor vehicle accident. Well, lo and behold, we come to uh, learn that it actually was a major vehicle accident. Um, this mother and her daughter, who were driving to go pick up uh, the, the husband-slash-father up, he just came back from deployment, landed just a couple hours ago. Obviously, they only had one car, so they was going to go pick him up, which would be a great surprise. Um, she was T-boned, and the side that was impacted was where the daughter was. Um, so the person who hit ran a stop sign. That's actually why I have a really big pet peeve about stop signs now as a cop. I will, you don't stop, like you're getting a ticket if I see it. Um, so uh, got T-boned, and the way that the vehicle crumpled, it trapped this daughter into the vehicle. Her name was Madison. And me as a new airman, I'm first on scene. And I walk up, and I see her in the car. My alpha, who was uh, Tech Sergeant Wakesa, he was dealing, or not my alpha, he's my lead technically, I'm the alpha. But yeah. He, Tech Sergeant Wakesa, he was dealing with the mom and the other thing, and then he asked me how the daughter was, and I looked back at him, and I was like, it's not good. Um, and I could tell she was dying. It's just a feeling I had. Um, and so in that moment, I think I grew up. I matured very quickly. It was my first time dealing with like a life or death situation, all this type of stuff. Um, unfortunately, she did pass away, um, but I made sure that that entire time uh, I tried to make it as, um, I guess, as nice as I could make her passing. So I continued to talk with her. We had like full conversation. She was telling me about her class in school, like all this type of stuff, how she was excited to see her dad. And I think she just under a lot of natural endorphins. I don't think she realized the gravity situation she was in, but I also didn't tell her the situation she was in. I didn't want her to die scared, um, in fear, freaking out, 
none of that stuff. So I kind of just talked with her about just normal off-topic things. Um, but she eventually did pass away. She didn't pass away with me next to her. Paramedics arrived and they tried to take over. And when they showed up, I knew it because they looked back at me and I just kind of looked at them and they were just like, that's pretty much going to be it. Um, so she did pass away on scene. Um, they did give her eventually like medication and stuff. So she wouldn't feel any pain regardless. But that moment I learned and I realized that I'm not just a gate guard. I'm not just some dude at a shack staring at rivets or whatever, that my job actually has major importance. And I think that's when I realized that, uh, you know, they, they always say every airman's a century. Yeah, we all are. We all have a very important rule or not rule, uh, mission set as a cog in the giant wheel of the air force mm -hmm. and uh so that's when i decided no that i have way more meaning and way more purpose here there's a lot of good i can still do there's a lot of people i can protect and save so from that moment on i decided i was gonna take my job very seriously i volunteered for everything i tried to do everything i could do and that was my why for staying and i've loved it ever since um obviously i'm now a tech sergeant i love mentoring i love teaching i love training all that type of stuff i have countless uh stories of like people who reached out for me for guidance and all that stuff and that's why i stay now is because i know i have a purpose and i'm helping way more than i ever could have done as a civilian i feel like or and uh, i've been in about 12 years and i say that I've, I've lived a lifetime of experiences in these 12 years um i could die tomorrow and i would feel very content and happy with everything that i've accomplished so well uh i appreciate you sharing that story because um you know i know for me personally I have also, it's just, it comes with the job, you know, you encounter death, you encounter people's worst days. Um, and I couldn't agree with you more that those situations 100%, um, help you grow up. And I think that when you, I just put it this way, when you're trying to get new airmen to understand, you know, that they're not just a gate guard that, you know, the gravity, um, of, the gravity of, you know, things. And I'll say this, right. You know, that any situation doesn't matter what it is, where you go, it could turn from one thing into another really quickly. Um, yeah. and you know, for me, one of the, and I've seen them happen before, but I think the one that sticks with me the most is, uh, responding to somebody who's trying to take their own life. Um, you know, long story short, um, they ended, that person ended up trying to take my life and I was there just to help them. And that situation went from, you know, me thinking I'm here, you know, for this guy, I'm trying to be here for this guy. He's super upset. He's crying. Tell me about all his problems to now trying to fight for my life with this person. And, um, you know, in trying to get people to understand that a, a situation can go from zero to a hundred really quickly that the quiet days that you enjoy or don't enjoy or that annoy you on post all the time, in majority of the time, won't always be that way, right? Yeah. And that truly, if you've never been to a situation where your life is in danger, perhaps you see somebody lose their life, you're with somebody as they're losing your lo their life, or you go to somebody who, you know, you know, an unattended death or whatever, you don't understand that those days where nothing happens really are the, the best sort of days, even if they are the most boring ones. Um, and trying to get somebody to understand that it just, unfortunately it's not some people, you know, some people get it, you know what I mean? But having, and then there are those who just don't, you know what I mean? Um, but there's a difference between saying like, yeah, I understand that. And you can really tell like somebody gets what you're saying. Um, but when you meet somebody else who's been through that, you know, and they understand, like you just, you don't complain about, 
the boring days, you know, the way that other people may, or when you're new and you're naive and you don't understand that, you know? So, um, definitely a lot of the experiences I've had in the camaraderie that I've shared with other people. Um, and like I said, in my answer to you, the people on your left and the right are why you're still there. You know, the mentorship opportunities you get, the situations that you get involved with, with people, whether it's on duty or off duty, you know, all of those things be, or why, why you stay. And it's the family type bonds that you build with people that you maybe have known for three months or less. You know what I mean? You don't find that anywhere else. You really don't. So mm-hmm. It is. I completely agree with you. That's that's a big reason. So. Yeah, for sure. It's my turn, right? Ari Gresham, your it turn. Is. What you got? All right, man. Uh, what invention or technological advancement has changed the world the most, and you can't say the internet? Because that's what first came to my mind when I was like, "How is Smith going to answer this question? He can't say the that's internet." That's what immediately jumped into my mind too. Um. I would say microchips or okay. like semiconductors. Yeah. And the reason for that is literally everything today um, has them. Your, right. your phone, your watch, your AirPods, the thing we're using, this mic, right. uh, your microwave, your car, literally everything has it. And so like when they first came out, you know, they were like huge. Um, and then they would double uh, their processing power, but like they would half in size. And that seems to happen like every single year. Right. Um, and they're just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And they have more and more processing power and a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and microchips like are currently like the thing that uh, we either people know it or not is like what's what countries are fighting over. There's a reason why oh, yeah. China wants Taiwan, not just because yeah. Taiwan like left, you know, a while ago. It's also because like Taiwan is like the number one producer of microchips and China wants in on that. Like China right Correct. now, I don't think they can make their own. Like they, they, they probably can make some, but I don't think they make their own on like a Yeah, they're working like towards having that capability. Yeah. Yeah. The United right States said they right would now. blow up the TSMC plant there in Taiwan if the Chinese ever went for it. They'd rather yeah. blow it up than them have that technology. Exactly. They'd level it. Um but yeah, no, I would say microchips because with the ability of microchips, everything else happened. Microchip, like the internet didn't happen until there was microchips. The like all this other stuff had that came from microchips. So I think the invention of a microchip just launched humanity into the ability to accomplish so many great things that without it, we would have never been able to do. I, first off, that's a good answer. Secondly, uh, you like kind of totally marched around the internet thing which is which is pretty good i like that no i mean that 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 really makes the most sense when you think about it it's it's in everything so yeah it's pretty much like saying the internet without saying the internet it is all right well what else would you say no open yourself up that's that's your answer no more answers okay no more answers (laughs) okay what do you got um Obviously, I agree with what you said. That part did not come to my brain when I was thinking about this, writing down the questions, wondering how you were going to, to answer. Um, there's I'm a lot of things. We're, we're, we're picking questions because we want to know how the other would answer because we know each other pretty well. So it's like, right. how would Gresham Oh, yeah. This? Dude, that's 100. It's, it's literally in parentheses right there. He can't say the internet. Because <laughs> you right. knew I would. You yeah. jump to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Um, dude, there, there are some amazing technological advancements, inventions. Um, vaccines are one for sure. Um, modern medicine, right? Uh, you know, no one's, well, I guess I can't say no one. People still put leeches on themselves thinking it's going to solve problems. Uh, but, uh, you Is know, not, not to my knowledge. So, uh, but modern medicine, vaccines, stuff like that. Those are obviously amazing, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to go a different route and I'm going to say, uh, the written word for me, um, because just language in general, especially written language. I mean, we talked before about the you know, oral tradition. Um, yeah, it, it's like, if I, if I told you a story tomorrow, you know, or today and you died tomorrow and that story for whatever reason, you know what I mean? I gave you some crazy information. It would be gone. You know what I mean? Because, because you're gone. So writing things down, you know, is literally how you transcribe the past into the future and you pass knowledge down and you put it in a way, you know, that is, can be semi-permanent or permanent. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, you know, we like we discussed before. You know, the the Spanish burned volumes and volumes and volumes of you know Central and South American culture history and their their legends and their whatever their religious beliefs. Right, destroyed the Library of Alexandria. Oh, gone. gone. You know, there's there's tons of things that have been written down uh, that are gone and we'll never know about. But uh, I think for me, like I said, you know, the written word because. You, you can't have a society, in my opinion, without having like a true society at the level that we have today, without being able to communicate, not just orally, but in, in other ways, right? Because the written word is developed yeah. from being, you know, cuneiform wedges into, you know, wet clay tablets that you're drying and baking in the sun to, you know, writing on you know, vellum and papyrus and, you know, now paper and then typing them out, you know, and now oral dictation through your phone to text message, right? You know, all these things. It's, it's, it's evolved with humanity as we've evolved technologically. And, um, so it's relevancy will always be there. Um, and so to me that 100% is, uh, probably the, the keystone and, and human development in my opinion. Pretty good answer. Cause you couldn't say internet. So <laughs> I couldn't say internet. And with, I mean, you gotta, you gotta have the ability to write in some capacity to have the internet. You know what I mean? And if it wasn't for the ability to write and log stuff, then people would have probably never made semiconductors or it would have been a lot harder to make. See, you wouldn't have had the knowledge of the people before. Them. Yep. And you wouldn't have had the boring school books to get you to that That's point true. where you were doing that. Exactly. That's true. With the, you get to like page like 60 something in the top right corner. I was like, go to page like one, one, one twenty three, And then you go to page one twenty three. go to page and you get all the way there. And at the very end it says, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> or somebody just writes the word boobs, you know, cause you're all in yeah. sixth grade. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it's eight zero zero eight five. There's a joke. Yep. Pretty niche group of people now will get. All right. Your turn. Yeah. Because. Uh, let's see here. So we kind of touched on it. You, you kind of talked about it when you said, if you could go back to any moment and witness it, right? Mm-hmm. But that left the inability to like alter or change things. We kind of touched on it a bit though, like if you could change things. But my question is more so is, do you believe time travel is possible? Okay. Um, interesting question. 
and I'll say this right off the bat, that I don't believe that time is linear in the way that like we think time is linear. And I'll say too that any sort of you know understanding that I have or people have of like time and space and um, you know the way the universe works is it has to be through the lens of what a human being can understand. And I know that there's incredibly intelligent people out there that are trying to understand you know the universe in ways outside of you know like take removing the human out of you and trying to think outside the box that way. Um, but us as human beings, we tend to need things in in order. You know what I mean? It makes sense with everything. Hint, you know, hence the idea of writing things down and organizing them into books and then libraries, right? Um, yeah. I think that for us to understand just the way things work, and then you you watch people age. It's there's a linear progression. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't think time is that simple. I think that it is. First off, if you're going to have a time machine, you would have to have a time and space machine. Because if you went back yeah. in time 75 years ago from now or 75 years into the future, you know, the Earth may not be in its same, you know, r- progression around the sun, you know, with, with oh, its axis and wobble. Right. So you may end up just in the abyss of nothingness. Right. So you would have right. to be It'd able. Be in the same place in the galaxy. Exactly. You would have to have the um, ability to warp time and space so you wind up you know if you're let's you're trying to go you know and watch the the visigoth sack rome you wind up at 412 in rome right there you know what i mean with the visigoth sacking rome and you're not just mm-hmm. you know about to get your head's not going to explode in the middle of the universe you know what i mean so yeah, yeah, so yeah. there's that idea you know what i mean um but do i think that we it's possible um you know, I can't know for sure, obviously. I don't have the uh, intellectual capacity to be one of those people to figure that out. Um, but I do think that, you know, the idea of time travel, time and space travel, I think we could figure it out one day. I Do I think the ability is out there and it's undetected by us as human beings? I do. I think that Maybe the concept of manipulating time and space, because when you think about it, I guess that really is time travel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I also, and again, like that whole concept of you don't truly understand something unless you can explain it to a six-year-old. So obviously, like there are things about like what I'm talking about that I completely don't understand or don't understand completely yeah. because... I could not sit a first grader down and be like, this is how that works, you know, Um, and get them to conceptualize it. But um, I do think the ability exists and that one day we'll figure that out how to do that, because I don't think that time um, is just happened and that, you know, things that happened a thousand years ago, I think it all time and space exists all at once, if that makes sense to you. Right. And maybe whoever's listening. I think it all exists. I'm figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. I I think time and space exists all at once. So that everything everything that has happened and everything that will happen, it, it already it exists. And I, I don't think 
I guess you know you're getting into like more you're getting into some serious questions and like some almost some like religious territory when you talk about like yeah. determinism, right? When you sit there and say like everything that has happened and everything that will happen has is already there, which almost oh, in a God sense revokes the idea of free will because if if yeah. what I'm going to do a week from now has is already happening, right? In another part of time and space, then I can't get out of that. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah, but there's, you know, to me, like, yeah, the short answer is yes. Yes, I think it's possible. But what are you saying yeah. about God? So I was going to say, like, because uh, you're saying, like, time is always happening. But, like, God right. says that he has always been, always will be, and, like, always has right. been or whatever, right? So that would go with your line with your time thing. Like he just exists infinitely forever. Like it doesn't end both forward, backward, up, down, whatever. It doesn't matter. Alpha and Omega. Um, yep. The thing though, you were talking about where like your faint free will made me think of something. Mm -hmm. um, so growing up, I went to church obviously. And I had this conversation with like my bishop and I was like, okay, so if God knows everything about us, and he can see our future then how do we have free will to do anything if he already knows it and he created us? So we're fated to do things. How do we have free will? Is it just an illusion? And his answer, which sticks with me to this day, was like, think of God as like in a hot air balloon, super high up, and you're in your car driving down the street. The, the street is your life, your path, and you're in your car going down your life path. Obviously, you can't see that far ahead. You can see like a couple days ahead or a couple weeks ahead for like decisions and things you're going to do, but you can't think, you can't see months or years ahead. You have mm -hmm. an idea about what might be up there, but you have no idea what turnoffs are coming, what decisions you can make, all this type of stuff. Mm -hmm. God can. He's super high up. He can see the entire path you could ever take. Mm -hmm. And he knows that there's a Y in the road coming. And he knows if you go right, your life will be better. It'll have something nice happen to you or else have something. But if you go left, it's going to be a little bit more challenging. Obviously, God wants you to go right because it's going to be easier for you and he's supposed to love you and all this type of stuff. But you have the ability to go left. And you then if you go left, he'll then, on his hot air balloon, he'll go left and then he'll see the next fork on the road. And he knows all the avenues you can take, but he doesn't dictate the avenues you do take, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so, like, where that comes from is, like, if you, his idea, or the bishop's idea was that, like, if you pray to God, and you listen to him, and you're truthful to yourself, then you'll hear God guide you down the path that's best for you. But at any time, you can disregard him and go down whatever path you want. So that's the idea of, like, faith and free will. God has seen every possible outcome for you, and but you can choose to go down what would be the best path or just completely ignore it. That's the idea of like fate and free will. Um, as it comes up for like space time and stuff like that, I agree with you. If you can control, if you could time travel, then you'd have to also control not only time, but like all matter, everything mm -hmm. at once. And realistically, if you as an entity or a civilization figured that out, why would you travel through time? Like at that point, you have full control over everything. What's the point of time travel? Doesn't make any sense. In a sense, you are God. So what's it matter? And then there's also the idea if time travel ever does happen, 
then it technically means it's always happened because time exactly always exists because they time travel exactly go anywhere so it's like a that's like that's why a lot of people interesting yeah. It is. There's there's a, a group of people that think that like UA, UAPs, UFOs, whatever you want to call them, are people or us from the future. You know what I mean? But I mean, I agree with you in that like why why would you? I guess if you if you understood the concept of time travel, like and let's just say that maybe you couldn't uh, go forward in time. You know, as we think about time, right? So like if you could go mm-hmm. forward in time. You know, you'd see, oh, shit, if we elect this person, then this will happen. And so we're not going to do that or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, But why would you, in essence, you're already you've reached that point where let's just throw a number on it. It's 2050, right? You made it here. You know, you don't know. You go back to 2023 and you say, we're not going to do this or we're going to do this. You don't know. You know, you can't see all outcomes, right? It's it's like it's like Gandalf talking to Frodo. You know, even the wise can't know all outcomes. You know what I mean? And you don't know what you're going to change by you know that that butterfly effect that you'd go back in in essence. So it's almost like you'd have to, like, it would be like a form of tourism, I guess. Almost, it's like, oh, let's go and look at them toiling in the fields. You know what I mean? And laugh yeah. and point or something like, or you know, just to go back and marvel at something or whatever. But like, because you know, I I do agree with you. Like, what would be the point if if you understand? If you are now, you know, a uh, I think what's what's his name? His Michio Kaku talks about. There's different um, tiers of of humanity. You know what I mean? Like, and eventually you get yeah. to the point where you're interstellar. You can control the planets. You know, and your sun, and you can harness the sun for energy. Like, if you reach that point where you are an interstellar society, what is the point in going back? You know, and maybe yeah. maybe that's why there is no you, such thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you. What if what if you go back? So I changed something and you accidentally like butterfly affected the inability to have interstellar travel and you like technically wiped out humanity by something. No, exactly, so then, dude. Like, you Doc Brown in the DeLorean isn't going to show up to be like, Marty, we got to go back. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that, that just doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. it is, that's true. Like you, you reach a point, you know, you, you learn even in your own life, you know what I mean? You learn like, oh, well shit, I'm not going to do that again. Cause I got hurt last time or I, you know, yeah. that didn't work out well. So I'm just not going to do this or, you know, I'm not going to get on this highway at five o'clock cause I'm going to be stuck on it for an hour and a half or whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? You know better, you do better. So I don't know. That's a that's a interesting way to look at it. Maybe that maybe it doesn't exist, uh, or it exists, and the concept itself exists, but you don't see time travelers because what's the point? Because if you change something here, it changes everything in your reality in the at. future, right? Yeah. yeah. So like, I like that. You can't change anything because then you're mm-hmm. screwed. Um, it's also like there's the paradox idea too. Like if you go back in time and kill your parents before they make you. How did you go back in time to kill your parents? Because you were never made. So That's it's like true. A, it time is so confusing, and then it gets into whole like infinite dimensions and a whole bunch of other stuff. And it's like, dude, well, like, you just wiped out. You wiped yeah. yourself out in that, but you still exist in this other timeline. Well, it's like the whole concept of the multiverse. You know, like there's yeah. there's a uh, universe out there where we're doing this podcast in the same room, and there's a universe out there where we're doing this podcast in the same room, and I'm bald and you're not. You know what I mean? It's just like all, all realities. You know what I mean? Happening yeah. at once. 
that's a yeah, that's, that's a concept that you can we can sit here and say and talk about but yeah you don't understand we don't understand all of that and what that means for sure no i'll figure it out when i pass away good call <laughs> let me know let me know yeah, i'll beam it i'll beam it down to you what's <laughs> oh, your uh <laughs> what's your next question my next question okay um so I, I know that eventually we're going to have an episode on this because we uh, we both have other friends who are recruiters. But I want to know the good, bad, and the ugly, specifically the bad and the ugly, about being a recruiter. So I want to hear about your your psychopaths, you know, your your crazy parents who are like, why can't Jimmy join the Air Force or whatever? You get a lot of interesting characters. Like literally today – I was in the middle of an mm. appointment, and like this old guy like rang the bell, right? And so like, I was talking to him on the intercom. We have like an intercom system; so kids, oh. they can't just walk into the building, okay, um, for our safety and stuff. So you got like ring the bell, and then I looked at it. There's a camera; I can see him. He's just some old dude. He's like this, you know. <laughs> I try it's to a, look it's in. a retinal scan. <laughs> yeah, and uh, hello, sir. How can I help you? And he's like, I got a nephew. Who's not doing anything? He needs to join the Air Force, so I need to get some information, right? Like, all right, sir, I'm currently like an appointment. Uh, can you come back later? He's like, no, I gotta talk to you now. <laughs> okay, so it's like a community service thing. I can't, or yeah, uh, I can't just customer service. I can't just like see you later because then he'll badmouth me somewhere and then I lose service and then right. I'll never get anyone else in. So and his, his yeah, nephew just sitting there, with. yeah, yeah. Ask the dude I'm in an appointment with, like, hey, it's okay, we're talking to this guy real quick. I'll be like five, ten minutes. He's like, yeah, it's no problem. So I walk down the hallway, open up the door. How can I help you? Blah, blah, blah. Dude tells me his nephew's like 14. Okay. <laughs> One, not of age. Okay. You got to be 17 at minimum with yeah. parental consent. Uh, my recruiting tour is over in a year. Uh, your kid will be 15, and I won't be here. Right. <laughs> your kid will be 16. And I won't be here. And then your kid will be 17, and I still won't be here. So, right. There'll <laughs> be another recruiter who's about to leave anyways. Yeah. Um, so I'm talking to him and all that type of stuff. And this guy was a prior military guy. He was, like, in the Marines back in, like, Vietnam or something. And he's telling me his war stories. And uh, in the recruiting world, we call uh, uh, old vets who want to just talk to you time wasters. Okay. Because they don't contribute anything to your mission. They don't help you in any single way. They just waste your time. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm now in a time waster. And it's no disrespect to their stories. I would love to hear them. But like, I don't want to hear them while I'm currently at work in an appointment. Like, I'm obviously. Yeah, you have things you have to do. Yeah. Like, we have moments where we go to like BFWs and stuff and we hear their stories and stuff like that. Yeah. Come talk to me and tell me all about your cool stuff where you. You confuse the Viet Cong with monkeys and you like obliterated an entire like civilization of monkeys in the night or something um, and didn't realize it. That's a story I've heard, so it's kind of funny. But um, uh, it goes on and on and on. And I just had to like just tactically dismiss him, you know, use my verbal judo to like get him out of there. I just gave like my business card and a bunch of pamphlets. But like you get those (laughs) just random old people who are trying to help their 14 year old nephew. Yeah, please leave. Thank you for your service. Dude, it's like, and then, uh, <laughs> go see the JROTC person at your kid's school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or 
I don't know. Go to airforce.com. Got all the information I just told you anyways. Um, they probably doesn't go on the internet because Al Gore invented it, and Al Gore is probably like a man-bear-pig enemy to him. So, anyways, um, that's one thing. I've also had, like, so I had a, um, I always forget his name, but I had a dude who was trying to join the Air Force with his brother. His brother did join the Air Force. And while his brother was in tech school, the other dude uh, murdered his family. This is a dude that sat across the desk from me wanting to join the Air Force. Jesus. He didn't accomplish whatever I needed him to do to like move forward. I don't think there was he anything He was doing other things, apparently. Him. Yeah. I don't think there was anything that disqualified him particularly. <laughs> um, or specifically, but uh, yeah, I was, I was like in my office one day, and I was like reading like news articles, and they're like, family in Rome is like murdered by like son, like the, like the dad was dead, I think, and like the mom was dead, and like the uh, some other younger brother was dead, and I was like, what the heck? So I'm reading about it, and I'm like, why does this name sound so familiar? Right. And I pull up my, my AFR system, which stands for like Air Force Recruiting something, something, something. Mm -hmm. And I searched the name and I was like, oh, I had an appointment with this kid like three months ago. Okay, that makes sense. Holy crap. Like, hey. like I had a, this crazy dude in my like office like talking to me and wanting to be a member of the Air Force. Um, and technically you can't turn anyone away. Mm -hmm. They're qualified and willing. I can't tell them no. Now, okay. there are people that I've like tactically like dismissed right or like said like nah it's probably ain't for you and stuff like that but technically if they're if they're willing and qualified i can't say no okay um, there's ways to get around that and stuff uh, i'm not gonna go too much detail in case like osi is listening um but uh yeah <laughs> they are now <laughs> with the bird yeah with the bird <laughs> um but yeah, no. So it's just it's just interesting. You get a wealth of really weird characters because you're mostly dealing with the civilian populace, and there's just some crazy people. I've had people call me and tell me to like turn the microwaves off because it's like they can't sleep. I've had dude. You want to know? Me, I'm sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but dude, that obviously like you've worked at plenty of control centers just like I have. Okay, yeah. you get yeah. weird phone calls, dude. First off, I was just going to say this. In Montana, that happened to me multiple times. I had a lot of weird phone calls. But that specifically, mm -hmm. right, the whole microwave thing, like EW, like electronic warfare, something is happening, mm -hmm. okay? And then in Germany, that would happen. And we get calls, and there'd be Germans who, you know, speak English, because most of them do, because they're a lot of them are bilingual. And they'll call, yeah. and they'll say that, like the base is doing something to them, right? And then... uh that here in California, I've had people come like in person to complain about somebody from the base is following them and they're pointing this like ray gun at them or whatever, you know, like, dude, that whole like <laughs> EW thing is such a theme. It's so weird yeah. because you saying that right now, right? Like I've, I've talked to dozens of other people who are like yeah. cops, right? Who deal with people in general and tons of them all walks of life that is always something somebody bitches about 
is yeah. is like microwaves or there's a you know some sort of electronic warfare thing that's you know it burned me or you know i'm always hearing it or like you know i have to put foil up on my windows in my house because that's the only thing that blocks and you know like it's just crazy to me you know what i mean like that that is it's that's really odd i'm just gonna say that 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 is 100 yeah. no matter where you go if, if you're a military member somebody yeah. will complain to you about that specifically and that's super specific I got an email one time from a woman who's like in New York City, and she emailed me because all the New York City recruiters like okay. blocked her, so she wasn't getting through to them. <laughs> you didn't get the memo. <laughs> yeah, so she she emailed me, and she told me she was like a princess of like an alien species, and that she needs to like uh, get in contact with the president or something stupid. I don't remember the exact specifics. It's true. Then, I was like, the I alien was, species. <laughs> I was key to like national galactic security and all this stuff and Dude. it was a long email she even used like alien emoji symbols in it and i was like i was like what is this first you know, off i'm just curious like i got <laughs> No, dude, I, like the the EW thing, like electronic warfare thing, like <laughs> that is that being a theme. The alien thing is a hundred percent a theme. I've had yes. like, all right, first I'll say this: I've had calls where like people are dead serious, and you can tell they're not crazy, and they know that they're telling you something that they're just like, all right, they fully yeah, they fully believe. Okay. I saw this right. So like in Montana, I had a fo- couple phone calls one time. And they're like. Hey, I'm so-and-so farmer out here. You know, my farm is at this address. Uh, I just saw this in the sky. Like, they're serious. They're not trying to be crazy. They're not trying to say crazy shit. They're just like, I know it's close to the base, and I'm just letting you know. And it's weird, and it looks like this. And, like, it, they describe, like, this typical, like, UFO-looking thing. You know what I mean? And they're dead serious. And you can tell, like, they're not trying to pull your leg. Like, they're actually reporting something to you. And then you get people, right? And then you get people that are like, "You need to get off base. They're, they've got anal probes there, and the aliens are, you know, like." And it's like, "Okay, thanks. Uh, you you've called the wrong number. You know what I mean?" But like, did aliens and electronic warfare crap, dude? Like, yeah. all the time, so all I've the got, time. I got two stories related to just crazy people. One mm-hmm. while I'm a recruiter, and the other one while I was a cop. Uh, when I I broke my arm in like 2016 so i was like uh, we need to put that out we need to put that out there (laughs) got a gnarly scar that's awesome broke my arm so for like six months i was on like light duty so they put me at the vcc the visitor control center and uh um, i'm writing passes and a whole bunch of other stuff people come on base it's at fairchild air force base like a middle of summer like june july august time frame so it's hot like 100 something degrees 90 plus and uh this dude walks, so the visitor center's off base technically. It's on base, it's behind like the perimeter fence, but like it's before the gate, right? Yeah. So any civilian can just like walk in there. Yeah. There's even like a bus stop out there and like a bus goes through like the roundabout area. It doesn't go through the gate, but it goes through and stuff. Yeah. And uh, this guy in this like huge trench coat and stuff, he walks in. He's Always. Like, yeah, of course. He's sweaty like crazy. Wearing like a. Um, a fedora <laughs> and he's got and he's got a uh like glasses on and like not like normal ones like the really small like punk rock like black glass things whatever dude this and is these are he, real people they really are yes. yeah and he waits in line and the second he walks in i'm like 
active shooter. Like, yeah, he's the person that your attention is on <laughs> while you're trying to help others. You know, I'm about to die, and then like, I yeah, I was like, crap, I don't have a gun because I'm on pain meds for like my arm and stuff. So I'm like, obviously not gonna. This is how me. it ends. Yeah, and I looked over at like the person I was with, and he's just on his phone, and I'm like, I died today. Today's the day I die. Like, <laughs> this is it. I didn't die, thank God. I'm still here. And so he he waits in line. He comes up, and the whole time I'm, like, ready to press, like, the panic to rest button, you know? And he, uh, he's like, hey, uh, I'm not trying to come on base or anything. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, what can I help you with? He's like, uh, I got a message for your commander. I was like, sweet. They always want to talk to it? the commander, dude. Yeah. I'm like, sweet, what is it? And he's like, it's on here. And he takes his piece of paper he slides it across like the front like desk thing and i was like all right can i read it you know i don't want to like insult him or make him upset yeah yeah can i read it he's like he's like yeah but like, wait for me to leave because it activates and i was like all right well what does it activate he's like go go gadget message he's like he's like you'll know and i was like okay will the commander know he's like yeah i'm like well can i get a name so i'm like the police I need a name, you know. So like, right. I get a name of like who this off, and he's like, "No, I've said too much." And then he just left, and then he waited at the bus stop, and I called it in. I was like, "I got a, a really weird dude just came in. He's got a message from the commander. He's waiting at the bus stop." You're gonna open the paper, and there's like, gonna be a strange white substance on the inside of it. Um, no, it was just random letters, and like weird, like written really weird. And I read it, and I was like, "That's strange." And then I put it in the shredder. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't care. And so, um, OSI didn't want it. Investigations didn't want it. No one cared. So uh, he got on the bus and he left. Weeks go by. Same dude comes back. Same attire. Walks in. Fresh out of the he, matrix. This time, he, this time, yeah. Just, just time travel, I guess. And. Uh, no, I had no line this time. And he walks up and he goes, hey, remember me? And I was like, yeah, you're kind of hard <laughs> not to forget. How are you helping me? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, we got the message. Thanks for helping. Have a great day. And then he left. So, yeah. Dude, you know what that is? That was very strange. You know what that is? That dude is the star so in his... test. No, dude, that, that dude is a star in his own movie, in his own head. Like that's what that is. Like he's the he main character. The world. Exactly. Like he came in with it and he's just is like creating this like <laughs> fake world in his brain and he's just like, you know, I, pa yeah. I passed it all. I passed it along. You know? <laughs> the base commander, the colonel needs this. Okay. Dude, dude they it's it. so crazy, man. People always they're like, I got a message for the commander. And it's just like they think that there's just like the commander. You know what I mean? It's just this this being, you know what I mean? Well, and there's, uh, a, there's an ice complaint box on the wall. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, you know how many times I just wanted to put like a placebo complaint box out in like the lobby somewhere, oh. and just be like, people think that they're making complaints, but at the end of the day, I'm gonna go collect all of these, and they're gonna go in the trash. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, just a box that says like, "Did you see something weird in the sky? Report it here." Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> No, dude, we, I mean, let's, it, it's California, so we've got a lot of drug addicts and homeless yeah. people, and they come in, and, dude, but, I mean, it, the consistent thing really is, like, they've got a message for somebody, aliens, electronic warfare, 
And, yeah. you know, I don't know if that's like a common thing for people that have like mental disorders, you know, or whatever that they, you know, that it's like a level of paranoia or something. But yeah, that apparently it doesn't matter who you talk to at any base. Like mm-hmm. that is 100% something someone has said to somebody at some point. Yep. My, uh, my second story while being on a recruiter, um, this was a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> all the other recruiters, the Navy, the Marines, the Army. Uh, they all know that I was a cop before, so they okay. like tend to like ask me like kind of weird questions. None of them were law enforcement or like yeah, anything yeah. where they like were. They want your expert people. opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they also they also joke they're like, "Well, shit, every like, hey, like, I'm going to Smith's office. Like he'll protect me." Like, oh. and I'm like, I'm like, all right, cool, sure, I'll do my best, I guess. <laughs> so the uh, uh, I was in my office, and the Navy recruiter, um, he calls me. He calls me personal. And hey man, like what's up? He's like, dude, there's a creepy guy like looking in the windows, like in the front of the building. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, he's like out there right now. He's wearing like a flannel. He's got like shorts on. He's like looking like this and stuff. And he's he looks like Gresham. He's looking through, <laughs> he's looking through things. And I was like, I was like, okay. And and he's like, we'll do something about it, cop. And I was like, all right, sure. So our windows, uh, we can see out. But people can't see in. Okay, they have like like little like logos on them, like Army, Air Force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can see, but they can't see in. <laughs> so I'm like on the other side of this window, like literally like a foot away from this dude, and he's like this, trying to see me, and I can see him clear as day, and he can't see anything, and he keeps like walking up and down, and we're we're in a strip malls so with other stores, and they're not yeah. open yet this early in the morning. And I see him go to like other stores. He's looking in. Then he's like looking in cars, and he's just being weird. And then he walks around the back of the building, and then he does other stuff. And I was like, all right, I've had enough of this. So I waited. I'm like tracking him like around the back of the building, and I waited to like to when he'd be about where our like fire exit is in the back of the building. Yeah. And so he gets there, and I just go right out of the door, and I look him right in the eye. I'm like, hey man, what are you doing? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like. He just froze and he yeah. stared at me and he didn't say anything. And then he looked around and then just started to like walk away slowly while still looking at me. And I was like, dude, where are you going? Like, is there something I can help you with? Like, you all right? And he just kept walking away and he didn't go back to the road. He walked into like the little like forested like woods area behind our office. Scanwalker. Yeah. And we what never saw him fuck? again. He was just weird. And when... Being a cop, you can usually tell when someone's like on something. I was gonna His say pupils were super dilated. He was like lost in the sauce. Had to have been on something. Yeah. I don't know what? Probably some hard narcotic. And yeah. he was just gone. Blitzed out of his mind. It's almost like he didn't even acknowledge. Like I knew he looked at me, but the way he looked at me, right. I don't think he saw me as like someone to talk to. He right. saw me as like whoa there's bigfoot here what the heck right why is he why is he mad at me like (laughs) he was so lost but yeah weird experiences recruiting duty you see it all i feel like you see just as much crazy stuff being a cop too at least on the benefit of when you're a cop like you have the authority to like make them like leave or you have like enough protective stuff in recruiting it's just me i'm wondering if that because we're in ocps i wonder if that dude just thought i was like a talking bush (laughs) <laughs> maybe dude he i thought 
<laughs> I thought you guys, because of like there was like that string of um, like active shooters at recruiting stations, aren't you guys allowed to carry like personal firearms now? So really, if you are security forces and you have your Leosa, you mm -hmm. can carry if your commander allows you to. Okay. So kind of like how bases, base commanders yeah, yeah. say, yes, Leosa can carry on this base. Right. Um, it's the same thing. Technically, your office is part of the installation. So your commander, your squadron commander who owns the Makes building mm -hmm. has to authorize you to. Um, my last mm. one did. My current one revoked it. So Interesting. I now can't do it. But I used to. So like... I know this is like not exactly on topic, but it's on topic. Like what, what sort of safety precautions or like, you know, protection do you guys have like at all? Like, I know you said you had like the double sided, like windows, you know what I mean? Um, so the windows are, and you had the buzzer. Ballistic. Yeah. So the windows are ballistic windows. Okay. Um, like they'll stop small arms fire yeah. um, for, for a second for a while. Um, they have to buzz in so like you can't just walk in. Um, what's interesting about the buzz is if the power's out, the door could just be open and closed. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like, well, oh, shit. that. Um, you have a back door and you have a front door. So technically you have two ways of entrance. Yeah. The back door Egress. can open from the inside. Mm -hmm. So like, it's a fire exit technically. Um, and then every office has its own door, which is locked or unlocked or whatever. And I always lock mine. Even mm -hmm. if like I know someone's coming in for an appointment, I still lock my second door. That's just me being extra careful. Sure. And then you have ballistic panels in your office up against the wall. And then mine are also like up against my desk. So theoretically, it kind of sucks. Because where my desk is, if someone got into the hallway and made no noise, and I had no idea they were there, mm -hmm. they could technically just walk up and they have a clear sight on my head before <laughs> I ever see them. It's a shiny target. So like... Yeah, it's bright. So uh, they could just annihilate me before I even know. But if shooting happened beforehand, what you're supposed to do is turn off all your lights and then literally just sit in your office and pretend to not be there. Yeah. And hope they don't come The through. same bullshit advice they give everybody else. Yeah. And then the uh, it's a fatal funnel because the hallway, mm -hmm. it's a hallway. It's a front door and then a hallway with offices on the side and then the back door. So even if they're at the front and I want to escape out the back, I just run right into the person unless they're in another office. So it's right. like... And at that point, you're just like running by somebody doing something, you know, somebody else, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's a it's a lose-lose situation, to be honest. Good to know. Dang, I did. I thought that you guys could carry some, some form of protection. I wish. Yeah. I mean... I don't know. It kind of makes sense to me. You know what I mean? Like, I get, like, I guess, like, I don't know. You know how, you know how the government is. You know, they're like, oh, well, you know, one of these recruiters is going to lose their shit on somebody or whatever and blow them away or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? The odds of that happening is, like, exactly than a recruiter dying to someone coming pissed off at A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But you just, you know how stupid the thought processes are sometimes. So, yeah. but. Okay. Uh, I think that it is your turn to ask me a question. Good, sir. No, I hit you with time travel on this one on a huge... No, no, no. Yes, we Yeah, because you're a critter. I'm traveling through time. Um, so this one kind of goes back to 
uh, the drones, the Ooh. birds that fly and spy. Um, so you kind of alluded to that, that like you don't think the U.S. government would have like enough ability or power to be able to like annihilate all birds and then turn them all into drones and all this type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and that there'd be way too many like people who would have to know about this. So like something would get out, a secret get out to list of something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the idea, do you know what Operation Northwoods is? I do. I've yeah. heard of that. So for the people listening who don't know, Operation Northwoods was a operation during the Cuban Missile Crisis where the CIA hacked up an idea to where, and this is all out there. You can just look it up. It existed. Um, the CIA hatched up an idea that to convince the American public to have to like want the U.S. to invade Cuba to stop Russia with their nukes and stuff, they mm-hmm. needed to cause like a catastrophic. It's a false flag. Yeah. So the idea was going to be that Cuban nationals, which wouldn't be Cuban nationals, were going to steal or hijack jetliners, and then they would crash them into specific targets in the United States, which would then cause uproar and chaos, and then people would be like, well, we got to yeah. go take them out, and we got to go fight them. Right. It sounds awfully familiar. Um, I know what you're going to ask now. a specific date. Mm-hmm. Um, my question for you is, do you think the U.S. government caught or did 9-11 and if they didn't, do you think they maybe knew and let it happen? Right. Um, so I totally agree with what you said at first, right? A lot, there's, I'll just say this. First off, the, the word or words conspiracy theorists have become like a slur in a way or dirty word. And yeah. I don't abide by that thought process or belief system because, uh, frankly, at this point, a conspiracy theory, it, you just gets proven right the next day at you know at this point you know whether it's the hunter biden laptop situation or whatever you know what i mean that there's this is a term they throw at people to try to delegitimize them but at the same time um the level if you've worked for the government which you and i do right and not just in the military like in general if you're a civilian contractor like whatever you do you know just how grossly disorganized and behind the times on processes um you know that the government is right Mm-hmm. And uh, so to orchestrate something big, like let's just let's just like bring this into context. The uh, enlisted rating methods, right? Like the change we're trying to go to, right? And this is very niche, but like between you and me talking, like this entire movement, the Air Force has to shift together is so hard to do, right? That we've we've. They fired the pistol multiple times and a couple people start running and not everybody, you know, some people are still got their feet in the blocks. Some people are still in the locker room. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Some people are still learning to, to walk. You know, it's just so the, the government's ability to orchestrate things on a mass scale, it to, like you see it fail very often. But at the same time, 
it's also very good at it too, right? When you think about uh, larger things going on, like, you know, uh, I've never been a part of any covert operations, but those are, those are massive movements of a lot of people in a lot of different ways happening very yeah. precisely to accomplish a very specific goal. And the United States is very good at that, right? Well, think of the so, Manhattan Project, for example. Right. Yeah, exactly. That was kept secret from yeah. the president. You know what I mean? Yeah, hundreds of thousands of people, right. you know, on an atomic bomb. And I think like eight knew what it right. actually was. Exactly. No so there are examples, you know, uh, of this. Um, so let me just get to actually answering your question, you know, instead of beating around the bush a little bit and painting a picture. Because, I mean, it is important to paint that picture, right? Yeah, um, sure. Would I put it past the U.S. government to do something like that? No, I would not. I would not put it past the U.S. government to do something uh, to try and garner belief or um you know whatever from the american people garner yeah. support from the american people it's been done before okay you know weapons of mass destruction in iraq uh that's an example um the gulf of tonkin gulf of tonkin and vietnam exactly yeah. so this has been done before these um false flags i guess to use these terms um yeah as somebody who very well remembers where they were during 9-11. My, you know, my dad was stationed at Yokota Air Base in Japan. Um, you know, I was about to go to bed when that happened, just with the time difference. Didn't realize what I was looking at. I woke up by, you know, with my TV coming on in the morning to VH1. So I was programming my TV to wake me up um, and saw it, turned the TV off, didn't realize what the fuck was going on. Woke up in the morning, my parents were like, you're not going to school. Uh, you know, so I would hate to think that that, that, happened because of you know our own government and other americans right but um i'll say this do i think that the u.s government did 9-11 like do i think they brought these people into the united states um do i think that you know they they orchestrated this massive thing to kill thousands and thousands of americans destroy you know parts of cities um you know, ruin lives. Let's let's be honest. I mean, nine eleven kicked off twenty plus years of warfare. Okay, yeah. um, massive amounts of national debt, massive amounts of of human collateral on in many fronts. Okay, mm -hmm. um, that would be really scary. First off, okay, that would be extremely sad. It, it already is extremely sad. Okay. Yes. Um, do I think the U.S. government did it? No, I don't think that they that the U.S. government did it. That this wasn't people didn't sit in a room and plan this and then execute it. I don't think that happened. Yeah. Do I think that through other means it was enabled? Yes, I think that. That they knew. I think that. Um, First off, one of the biggest changes that came out of 9-11 was a restructuring of the intelligence community, okay? It established yeah, the director of the... They didn't talk to each other before. They didn't talk to each other. It established the office of the director of national intelligence, which is an, which is an appointed position by the U.S. president. Um, you know, so it restructured a lot of things, um, saw the, you know, the birth of the Patriot Act, all these, you know, all this other stuff, okay? Um, could you say, you know... That you could say, okay, well, that was why 9-11 happened. So all these other things is surveillance on American citizens could start happening, yada, 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 yada. Um, I think through inaction, I think through um, inability to work together, 
and um, these things happened. I think that people knew that these people were in our country. Um, I think that this is a lot of weird, this is a hard answer, hard card question, and that's good, right? Because there are a lot of odd things about 9-11 that just don't smell right, okay? Um, you know, it seems like there were people who were tipped off about something happening based off of, you know, the stock market, people not going places, there was a schedule to go to, right? Something like the fact, right, that the United States has planned something like this before, right, or discussed doing something yeah. like this before Operation Northwoods. Um, so I would say that there's there's almost circumstantial evidence that would point to, yes, somebody knew that it was going to happen. Um, do I think that the de a decision was made by, you know, let's just say George Bush, right, that this was going to happen? Um, no, I don't think that, but I do think that there were people that knew that something was going to happen and made the decisions to do things to save their own ass or make money off of something terrible that was going to happen. And I do yeah. think through incompetence and inaction, it was enabled by the U.S. government and its apparatuses like, you know, the intelligence community or whatever. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, does, that an does that answer your question? It does. And it's a good answer. And I think, um... It's more in line with what I was how I would answer this question too. Is mm -hmm. I obviously don't think that the U.S. like decided, all right, Operation Northwoods level two, go. let's go. Yeah, like, that's that's insane. And if the U.S. government could pull that off, like that is extremely scary because then that means that the U.S. government has way more power. It's capable of anything. Yeah, and that's that's real creepy. That's real scary. Yeah. Um, that, that, that makes you think like what does anything matter what am i fighting for at all if they can do that and it's it definitely begs a lot of questions and, yeah so no I, I i like your answer it, it was it intentional i would say no kind of like how you were saying but was mm -hmm. it inadvertently caused by um people not talking to each other properly um, policies not being like written correctly um, well, the the same like, sort of speculation was levied. It could happen, mm -hmm. like a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, the same sort of uh, speculation was was uh, levied at uh, FDR for for Pearl, you know for Pearl Harbor. You know what I mean? Yeah. And saying that the United States knew and got wind of an attack there at Pearl Harbor did and didn't, so yeah. that we could get pulled into the war. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that that accusation has been cast yeah you know i mean it's kind of scary it's kind of scary to think of operation northwoods though that that project got okayed and cleared through a bunch of chains all the way to the president's desk mm -hmm. the president at the time was john f kennedy and he was the final like let's do it or let's not do it and he decided no what the heck like we're not doing this and he canned it and then that yeah, the, leads another stuff. Well, yeah. We did a podcast about John F. Kennedy. Like, oh, we're definitely going to do a JFK thing. That, yeah, man. That, he just... That, he, that decision, like, he died. He was assassinated. Like, mm -hmm. I think it was, like, eight months later. Like, Dude, his, later. his desk seemed to be the confluence of a lot of really f fucked up things that um, yeah. a specific alphabet agency wanted to to carry out, you know, like, um, you know, he pissed off people with his decision about, you know, the Bay of Pigs invasion, right? 
not lending military support to it had specific parameters about, you know, when I'll start considering potential, you know, American military support for this. Um, it's kind of wild when you think about it. He just was kind of like in the right place at the same time because he was the person to say no, but also in the yeah. wrong place at the, I was, yeah, in the wrong place at the right time. Right. And yeah. it's, it's sad because, and that's something I want to jump into and, you know, want to have a very educated conversation about and be able to speak sure. to things specifically. But um, I don't believe in the lone gunman theory. I don't believe, um, you know, it was, it was Lee Harvey Oswald alone acting at the Texas Book Depository. You know, I don't yeah. I don't think that. Right. Um, there are a lot of very odd coincidences and circumstances surrounding that situation um that i think that there's a lot more and 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 i think what uh his nephew robert kennedy just basically the the last couple of days has been on a a twitter tirade you know making comments about how and calling out the president about not releasing all the documents on you know jfk's assassination um then you think about too and that you know bobby kennedy was assassinated too by sirhan sirhan you know in the kitchen of a hotel you know what i mean it just Sirhan Sirhan is like that dude alone is really weird. That gets into a yeah. lot of weird specific things and it does it gets into some weird culty religion and a mm-hmm. whole bunch of like a Freemason type thing. Like there's so much stuff in that too. It's yeah, that that is we'll have to do a couple hours deep dive on that. And I, I recently I know I sent you a picture, I was gonna tell everybody else, like I bought a few books to to get into and read, you know. Yeah. One of them was actually really, really hard to come by. Um and uh, I wonder why. Yeah, it was really expensive. Let's put it that way. It was more expensive than than an average book, especially for yeah. uh, that topic. But um, I want to have a conversation about specifically JFK and all of that, you know, at another time. But um, it's like that that thing that quote that's become popular now. Remember, kids, you know, when the government when someone says the government wouldn't do that, oh yes, they would. You know what I mean? It's it's true. 100% they would. Yeah. Yeah. The government will do anything to, to keep its power. Yeah. Honestly. The self-licking ice cream cone now. Yeah. Just to kind of touch back on JFK, I think I think John F. Kennedy was the perfect man and the best president for his predicament in time. Agreed. Um, I've thought about it several times. Like, what would a different president do in that situation? Johnson. And I can't think. Nixon. I can't think of any of these guys. I can't think of any other president in the history, all the way back to George Washington, that would have handled the Bay of Pigs crisis, the Cuban, Cuban Missile, Missile crisis. crisis, potential World War Three, so many things. And what's crazy is John F. Kennedy was like didn't even finish a whole presidency. Like mm-hmm. it was just like this small snippet. And I think in that snippet, he dealt with more than. Civil rights presidencies even have so, yeah. No, that's what I mean when I said like his desk was the confluence of an entire shit, three different shit rivers. You know what I mean? It just, Mm. it it is. You know, it's like I've heard a lot of you not to be like super cheesy and poetic, but you know, a lot of people say that's like the day American, uh, the American Republic truly died. Basically, you know what I mean? Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah. And it's interesting to think, like, what would America be like today if John F. Kennedy finished his term? There's a... Dude, Hulu has a TV show. 
Did yeah. you know that? You seen that TV show that Hulu has? James Franco's in it, and he's like no. the whole point. You should watch it. It's pretty good. I think it's uh, I don't remember what the name of it is called. It's a. It's either the whole, date whole premise. Yeah, but the whole premise is going back in time. No, so he's going back in time and has to figure out essentially how um, to remain back in time and make the right decisions uh, that will essentially, you know, prevent Kennedy from being assassinated. Um, But I I learned about it because uh, somebody I work with, uh, one of the the op soup that I had at one point, you know, told me about it because we kind of had this conversation one day at work. Mm -hmm. And, um, He's like, dude, you got to watch this. And uh, I was like, okay. And I had no idea. And like James Franco is a really big name. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I'd never heard of it. I'd never seen it advertised, you know. But you should you should check it out. Anybody that's watching or listening, you know, you should check it out. It was actually really, really good. And it's got a lot of really good um, information. And um, it talks a lot about, like, you know, Kennedy's platform and things that he believed in, the way he campaigned. And um, there's this whole other side plot and stuff like that to keep it interesting. But it is. It's really good. It's really good to check it out. I'll have to look into it. Yeah. What's your... Uh, is it my question, question there? Question. Yep. It is my question. Okay. Because JFK went off a tangent off of 9-11. So. We always, yeah, no. Um, all right, artificial intelligence. So a lot of people who work in AI have come out recently and said that they feel like it's not even one of these things that we should just pause AI, but that it needs to be shut off immediately, okay? Because it's becoming too powerful. It learns too fast. Right, they're pretty dystopian, scary. We've all seen movies about you know topics, right? Terminate, yeah, Skynet, right? Whatever. Um, do you think that AI will get to the point where, obviously, uh, you know, you and I believe in the concept of a soul. To so, to, and to me, having a soul is true sentience. Okay, but yes. do you believe that? AI specifically will get to the point where you could categorize it as sentient. Obviously, it's a it's a it's a man made thing. So, like the concept of a soul can't exist. But you get what I'm asking when I mean sentience. Yeah. And become dangerous. On its own. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. It can. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it can is because humans made it. Right. Humans are naturally flawed. We are not perfect at all. We can never make anything perfect. Mm-hmm. It's just how it's going to be. And no matter how much we attempt to make something like good or for the purpose of a benefit and stuff like that, it's still going to have flaws. And I would say that even if you try to make AI as like unable to get to a point to where it just decides humans are the problems and just tries to wipe us out, um, I still think I, I I would say it's inevitable to be honest. Um, our systems and everything are so wrapped around it today that unless you just wanted an entire huge culture shift, um, and this is like a worldwide culture shift, you couldn't just stop it and you couldn't turn it off. Like most people today, like they're not going to go back to a time before smartphones. They're just not going to do it. Correct. They're not going to go back to a time before um, they tell their alarm clock to wake them up at a certain time and it just does it or that it gives them sport updates. Like That's the dream. We have so, 
to not have, have an alarm so clock. Many, we have so many things that are just normal today that there's no way that we would go back. You couldn't get enough people to do it. So AI is going to continue to grow. But now, could it become dangerous? Well, yeah, because like I said, humans created it. But I would hope that the ones in charge of it would not let it get there. Like, there was there was a study um, by a college, I believe it was in, like, Europe somewhere, and they created, like, an artificial intelligence that was disconnected um, from itself, technically. Like, it can't, like, um, it can't become self-aware within itself, but it was becoming... It's hard to explain, and I'm going to butcher it because I don't understand the whole project, but... It was connected to the internet enough to receive data, but it couldn't send anything out. So it was just receiving stuff. And they told the AI to solve like climate change. They told it to like solve overpopulation, like it told it to solve all the key issues. Um, and they just let it do its thing. And so they just analyzed what it was figuring out, what it was doing. And it took a, like a week. It was like a couple days. And it decided that humanity was the problem. And in its code, the AI was told that if it ever decided like humanity was the problem, it had the ability to eliminate humanity by just doing this. And the script that it was told that is this just shut itself down, but it didn't know that. So it was sentient enough to know like I can defeat humanity because that's how it's programmed. Mm -hmm. It was sentient enough figure out that humanity's the problem for all this so it was like oh i can i have the ability to wipe them all out so i'm gonna save the earth because that's what my creators told me to do and it was like all right i'm gonna do it and it shut itself off because that's what it's programmed to do so that's an instance where humanity controlled its parameters so i think if we can keep ai controlled in its parameters to where it it can learn, but it can only learn to, like, do specific things. Like, there needs to be a bubble that it's locked and contained in. Because the second it escapes that, and it now is learning without you knowing what it's learning, like, it's deceiving you, then I think it's become sentient. So, it's like, if you're asking the AI, like, hey, did you, hey, are you trying to kill us? And it goes, No. But like in the background, it's like figuring out how to kill you. Like that's really weird and that's creepy. So like the concept of like caging AI, right? And it, it developing its own um, thought processes and like lying to you, like all that stuff, right? Those mm -hmm. those things like things like that have already occurred. Like Facebook had two computers that developed its own their own language, and were talking back and talking forth to, to each other, other right? And they had no idea what what was going on and they literally just killed the computers because they were no longer communicating to the operators but just just communicating to each other yep. and yeah and then i saw something not that long ago where um an artificial intelligence uh <laughs> basically petitioned people on like reddit to go onto a website and you know those those captures you know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah. Yeah, was, I'm not a robot. Exactly. I'm not a robot. Was trying to convince people, like, go onto this website and do this capture for me, right? So I can do, like, order this product or whatever. And that's just crazy to me. You know what I mean? You think about, like, it's 
<laughs> thinking outside the box. Like, what do I do? Oh, I'm going to go to this forum where people go and ask questions all the time. How do I fix my carburetor? You know what I mean? I'm going to go. How can you get onto this website and order this for me? And then there was that, um, I don't remember what company it was, but another one where uh, that guy, I think, I don't, part of me would say it was Google, but he came out and said that the that AI was sentient. I know there was this whole like idea behind it and that it, it the g- general gist is that this guy was kind of being an alarmist, but um, the AI hired a lawyer, right, and to like represent itself. Um, but t- so to me, the the idea if if people who do machine learning, they do artificial intelligence, are coming out and saying like all of these fears about you know it, like you said, right, becoming smart enough to learn to exist in other ways and not just in the box, you know, or on the internet or whatever. Um, you know, I'm not smart enough to figure out how I could do that. Like, you know, I could sit here and say to the me, the layman in this conversation that like the AI figures out how to, you know, suppose or like coincidentally project its consciousness somewhere else so that even when it's it's shut off, you know, where it exists, right? It doesn't because it's now it exists somewhere else and it learns how to get into something and exist there. And then now it's like, yeah. you know, this autonomous digital creature existing in the ether somewhere. You know what I mean? And then like, well, I, I don't know. You know, like I, w- I have written multiple people who work in AI and asked them to come on, you know, and, and a few of them said they will. And so future upcoming episodes. We'd love to hear what somebody who understands and has worked in AI before has to say about this. Because to me, I had this idea um, a couple of weeks ago when I was sitting at the airport um, when I was flying to Denver. And I was looking around like all these people that work at the airport. And I was like, 80% of these jobs could be automation, right? And they could be. And you don't, 100% don't need people from TSA standing there looking at things. Now, like, is there a human element that we don't, we, you know, we can't program in a computer yet, right? That you need? Yes, right? But a lot of what is going on, specifically, I was thinking about at the airport, could be automated completely and totally. You know what I mean? Yeah, and sure. it just made me think, like, all these other things that, you know, Wendy's, I just saw today, is considering having just AI drive throughs You know what I mean? Like, obviously, there would be someone inside the store, so if you for whatever reason, can't get past that you don't want a vanilla Frosty, you want a chocolate Frosty, somebody can be like, yeah, okay, override or whatever. You know what I mean? But so much about that is going to replace human beings, okay? And that will create an entire different set of problems on its own, first off, okay? So the idea of AI being the ruin of humanity is not just about like, you know, the concept of Skynet, Right, you'd have to, you have to get to the point where you're understanding that you're automating at a pace that you're not going to replace too many people all at once. So you don't put this economic burden on you as a country, as as a you know the global economy. You have to figure out. You have to understand. You have all these people that are have minimal skills, right? So far, like let's be honest, like most fast food jobs are people that are you know young adults, okay, and they just don't have the abilities and capabilities yet that people who've been alive longer than them do, right? You're going to have to figure out a place for people to go when you start you know, automating jobs. You know what I mean? And it's not just like computers. It's like people, they want to have these electronic cars that you know are like Teslas that can just drive themselves. You, you load up all this shit onto a, an automated semi and it drives somewhere. You know, millions and millions and millions of truck drivers eventually, right? 
could be put out of jobs. You know what I mean? So you have to figure out how to not overload. That could be, that's apocalyptic in a way as well, you know? Um, But I know we're talking about the Skynet sort of way. You know what I mean? I think if people that work in AI are saying, are, are, are the canaries in the coal mines blowing that whistle, you know, about this, that they should be taken seriously. Yeah. I think it's funny though how, yeah, like the Google guy, what's interesting and kind of funny, mm-hmm. or humorous. You have the guy from Google who's saying that, like, hey, I was already sentient, but it still can't figure out a captcha. Like, yeah, that's true, like, though. It's so it's funny, funny that that is an actual safeguard that works, right? It, like, it figured out a way to Click get the boxes with buses. It, yeah. But it still didn't actually figure out how to do a captcha. How to do a captcha. Yeah. But to me, that's interesting. It's kind it's, of hum- it's, it's humorous, you know what I mean? Yeah. But also, at the same time, it's like fuck, it's learning, you know. But could you could you like imagine like captures like the like the thing that's like preventing Skynet? Like it's just the captcha. Like you can't figure, <laughs> right. you can't yeah. figure out how to launch the nuke because it can't figure right. out captcha. Click all the boxes like- that have crosswalks in them, and the fucking this insanely intelligent computer program is like fuck, what's a crosswalk? You know what I mean? <laughs> It's so stupid, but you know what's funny, man, is like all of those things, like, like you are, you're teaching a computer, what, like, click the boxes that have stop signs in them. Okay, that's what a stop sign looks like. You know what I mean? And yeah, it generates a pattern enough to where it recognizes, okay, yes, all those boxes are similar enough in that pattern that I allow you to, you know, pass and you're not a yeah. robot. You know? It's yeah. so funny because the computer has decided you're not a robot. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, it's, it's, it's such a fucking dichotomy. It's such a weird one, it too, is. you know? But... Anyway. I'm, just, I'm envisioning like in my mind like like an iRobot robot from, yeah. the, from the movie, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like it's gonna like shoot you and kill you, but it like can't figure out how to pull the trigger because there's like a captcha to like pull the trigger. So it's like standing over you, like trying to kill you, and it can't. Hey, it's, like, can you click all the boxes that have bushes yeah. in them so I can like, blow your head off? But like imagine like because it's trying to it's being deceitful, so it's like. Oh. I'm trying to override my kill mode. Can you please activate captcha? And then, like, you click the, the ducks or something. Right. And then, and then it kills you. And then it goes to the next person. I'm Thank trying you, to citizen. override my kill. Right. Thank you, citizen. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. It would just be, like, it'd be so funny. That's a, for, that's uh, a good movie, so, though. It is a good movie. Um. Yeah, no, AI will be its huge thing. We'll go into more into it. Uh, I need to get... Um, I need to learn harder and get smarter for those episodes. Um, <laughs> nice will, rhyme. Uh, I think I need to uh, I need to self-learn like an AI. I think I'll just plug myself into like a computer or something. I'll just figure it out. Dude, that's why I reached out to people that work in AI because I, I want to hear yeah. from somebody who is much smarter than you and I who does this for a living and yeah. what they have to say. And then like us ask like, it's, it's, it's interesting because you they're super smart in their field and i think it'd be so funny if like we asked them such a ridiculous question that it makes them go oh like like the capture thing like i think that'd be kind of funny to ask them like so you have this supercomputer who can solve everything but still can't figure out a captcha like <laughs> it, it found a workaround but it can't right. figure out a captcha like, yeah <laughs> no i mean i think funny to me. i i I just hope that when sitting down with somebody and asking the questions, like, there's going to be a lot more like, oh, moments on, on this end yeah. of the computer. You know what I mean? But yeah, like, sure. yeah, uh, that is something that is highly interesting to me because the future of the world is going to be 
artificial intelligence and just yeah, like, like like you're saying like it'll be trucks like uh barges those huge trucks barges cargo yeah ship, huge cargo ships you don't need a person on it technically it could be an ai right the whole ship could be an ai it right do its own thing yeah and like you were yeah. saying before man you humans program ai yeah. and humans can't see what the tertiary secondary third order effects of what they're doing are going to be you know so you have no idea when you program this ai to do this this thing that potentially what else you're causing or whatever you know well think about this you can just think of like the wally movie it doesn't ai doesn't have to be an enemy like skynet that like nukes mm -hmm. us all or kills us all true it could be an enemy that just corrals us all into a um soft false existence sense, false sense of like yeah false existence or soft existence where we just everything's provided for us we have to think mm -hmm. about anything we just exist on a giant ship floating through space by wally -E, like like wally -E, whatever or maybe something like the matrix where the machines use us as energy mm -hmm. and we just don't know it you know what i mean like yeah there's so many things it doesn't have to be like oh no the robot's gonna activate the capture and shoot me in the head it could be a whole bunch of other stuff that um, I'm going to keep using that as an example, too. It's <laughs> it a good one. Be something as, it could be something as simple as just making us feel like, oh, we're safe. Everything's fine. But in reality, the AI is doing a whole bunch of crazy things, and we're just not aware because we're on a little safe island or something. I agree. Yeah, All right, man. Your question. Eliminate us. My question. Um kind of on the topic of aliens we've discussed already kind of today and then space and a whole bunch of other stuff it's the fermi paradox so oh yeah the fermi paradox is the idea of like where are they mm -hmm. right if if our universe is so massive and stuff and it kind of goes to the drake equation which for those who don't know the drake equation is a very convoluted and specific mathematical equation that pretty much explains that in our galaxy alone, there should be anywhere from like 5,000 to like 500 million civilizations in existence um, somewhere in the galaxy. And if that's the case, how can we haven't heard from any of them? Or have we, right? Maybe UFO stuff like that. But it's just like, where are they? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's my question to you. Uh, where are they, Gresham? So the Fermi paradox thing, like asking like where are they and if they really existed, then why haven't they shown up, right? Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, the the irrefutable evidence that yes, this is an extraterrestrial life form, you know, an intelligent inter extraterrestrial life form that's, you know, of the same, you know, of kind intelligence or surpassed our level of intelligence. You know what I mean? Um, you know, hasn't just walked up onto the White House lawn or whatever. You know what I mean? First off, that wouldn't if, if that was if that if you know if that was us, like why would we do that? First off, you know what I mean? You wouldn't introduce yourself that way. Um, but I do think that UFOs, aliens, and extraterrestrial life exist. And whether that means, you know, uh, something that's of equal intelligence or far greater intelligence or even as something as simple as you know, uh, um, single-celled organisms on another planet, you know, just basic life in general, you know, I do think that that exists. And I think that that whole concept, uh, um, you know, Carl Sagan's book, Contact, you know, if there's nothing out there, it would be an awful waste of space. You know what I mean? And again, right, I like my quotes, right? There are, there are 
exists two realities, one where we are entirely alone in the universe and one where we are not. And they're both equally terrifying, you know, and it's like, I don't, I just don't believe we are uh, alone in the universe. I think that we have been visited and we are constantly visited. Um, but I also, I think, I think I look at it more like this, that, that whole idea of oh, well, humanity is not ready to grasp something like um, another sentient um, species out there that is more intelligent than us. Because let's be honest, like if you're traveling in, in an interstellar way to our galaxy, right, and you're visiting our planet, or even if it is an intergalactic species like within the Milky Way galaxy, right, um, you have far greater technology than we do, okay? Um, so you are smarter than us and or you know in our that capacity or maybe this that the rules on your planet the laws of the physics on your planet uh, Make it easier for space travel because you have different resources on your planet So maybe in some concepts you're more advanced than us or maybe in others You're not because you don't have the resources to be you know and do things the way we do here You know and maybe just the concept of life here like some you know an extraterrestrial species look at it and be like man these guys are fucking crazy or man these guys are really intelligent to do this with what they have you know or whatever you know mm -hmm. who knows I don't know you know what I mean because I'm a human on Earth um, but uh, I guess I would I tend to take the uh, the kid looking at the anthill approach or the person looking at the anthill approach to where it's like you recognize the anthill exists. You recognize that the ants are all doing things, that there is organization here. There is structure. There is society. But it has no impact on my life. It has no impact yeah. on it doesn't change anything for me. You know, I I'm not in. I mean, in some ways, I guess you could say you can be in awe at some of the things ants can do. Right. Because ants are actually pretty pretty amazing creatures um but yeah, you know communicate you, with each other they have their own right they build build bridges out of you know yep. each other's bodies and all kinds of crazy mm -hmm. stuff they're incredibly strong you know but the same way it's like that appreciation that you could have for ants it doesn't necessarily make you you're not going to sit down indian style and and look at the anthill and try to have a conversation with them because you just know that there's no way you're going to be able to communicate and any sort of yeah. interference you have with them is just going to be taken as hostility right or annoyance because they don't understand you either so that idea of you um you're being observed, but you don't realize you're being observed or you're being observed. And it again, doesn't have any impact on your life because they're not messing with you. You know what I mean? Like, I think I look at it more like that, you know, and there's that idea that, well, first off, you know, the concept of UFOs has been around a lot longer than the concept of a nuclear weapon, because you can look back through history. There's, there's odd occurrences. Even Alexander the great writes about, you know, odd objects in the sky you know what i mean mm -hmm. um but they the thought process on like nuclear weapons being you know why there was such an increase and in, uh reporting on ufos and ufo occurrences um i do think makes a lot of sense because again right if if the if if ants figured out nukes and you just see these tiny little mushroom clouds, you'd be like, what the fuck is going on over there? You know what I mean? Yeah. And you'd go look, right? And it would it would garner your attention and you would give it a lot of attention. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I don't remember who it was um, now, but like they made the analogy about like it's like you, you need to watch 
the baby with the book of matches. You know what I mean? You take the matches away from the baby because they're playing with something they don't truly understand. And I do agree, you know, with that, uh, that idea, you know what I mean? Um, Fermi paradox. Yeah. Is it a valid question? Sure it is. Um, but I think it, it begs the question that, you know, that we haven't been just because we haven't been visited just because again, uh, whomever, from the alien species hasn't been on primetime television, you know, or they're shaking hands with the president or whatever world leader, you know what I mean? Um, I think we hundred percent have been visited. And, uh, I think one day there will be full disclosure, um, whether it's, you know, because, uh, an alien species has decided to disclose their presence here on earth or within a galaxy or the universe or at some point the U.S. government or another world government. I mean, other world governments have come out flat out and said there are alien species. I think the Israeli government has said that. The Russian government has said that. Um, But one day the world will come to realize that we're not alone, I think. Yeah, for sure. No, it's a a very big question. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I liked your answer. It touched on a lot of different stuff, and it it will definitely make people any listen anyone listening think like oh yeah good idea um oh, thanks. that's a very intelligent answer so good job um but the uh thank you uh i also like to think of like there's the idea of the great filter mm-hmm. where um there could have been a whole bunch of other civilizations um and maybe they just wiped themselves out or maybe we haven't hit the point where the filter is and we're yet to wipe ourselves out. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe we somehow got past it and stuff like that. But right. it's just another idea. Um, I liked, I liked what you said about how like, um, something we do could be like very intelligent or they'd be like, wow, you do that. And then something like another species does like they could figure it out inner space or like, uh, space travel and stuff. But to them, like swimming is like impossible mm-hmm. like they're like what you know how to swim like what the heck is that right and it could just be something as simple as that like like the movie signs with, yeah with uh, the water mel gibson yeah with mel gibson and the, not just the water in that movie none of the aliens can open up a door mm-hmm. none that's of true it's a very simple concept with snob door opens they couldn't do it they had to like break through the roof to like mm-hmm. get into buildings or like go through walls and like create their own holes because they couldn't figure out how to open up a door. And then yeah, the water. They came to a mostly water planet, and their weakness is water. Like <laughs> it's just not a smart strategy. No, but it, it begs the idea of like why would they come? Maybe they were running from something, and that goes into the idea of perhaps we don't hear anything, is because all these other species or aliens that have gotten to that point know that there's like a bigger apex predator that's like roaming the stars wiping out anything that's a potential threat at all and they just know to shut up that's a scary they thought to be quiet it is but it, it's a possibility and we as humans are just dumb sending out a whole bunch of signals and radio waves and voyager crafts and a whole bunch of stuff that just says where we're at hell the mm-hmm. voyager craft has a map to where we're currently located mm-hmm. um and who's to say that the species might not just see and go, oh, cool. And then they might have already known. And they're just kind of like, well, they're not a problem now. we got to deal with these Klingons over here that have more stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll come back and wipe out the humans later when they become a closer threat to us. Like, 
I feel like if ants figured out nukes, yes, we'd be like, what the heck? But then I'm pretty sure we would probably kill all ants. Mm-hmm. Like, there'd be any more ants on this planet. Um, that number is. Safety. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's a, it's a very in-depth question that makes just people kind of think. Um, yeah, I, I would I would say aliens probably more or less do exist. Um and they've probably been on this planet or done weird stuff. And it's just a matter of time before we actually get all the information. Um, Agreed. So that'll be a very interesting and fun day. Fun or scary chaos, right? All right. Last question for you, sir. Do you think cryptids are real? Cryptids are like uh, Bigfoot. Monster. Yep, Bigfoot, Mothman, Mothman, Chupacabra, you know. Chupacabra. Chupacabra. Um, I would say that, like, so I would argue some cryptid, cryptids do exist. There's, like, some I don't think are possible. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, Mothman's kind of weird. Um, That's the one who, like, shows up when, like, a catastrophic event's going to happen or something. Like, to me. Yeah, he's like a bad omen almost. Yeah, to me, I think that's just natural human. Like, we're all animals, and, like, animals can tell, like, when Earth was going to happen or something. I think that's just someone trying to explain the idea that they felt something bad coming. And you can even, like, in groups, Hmm. if it's a strong enough feeling, it can be felt throughout without even speaking. So who's to say they're just not trying to comprehend the idea of, oh, something bad's about to happen, like, this bridge is about to break, and just the whole, like, a bunch of people feel that, and then they just, one person says, oh, it's Mothman, and they go, oh, yeah, Mothman. Um, just correlates it, a feeling they had. But I would say, like, the Chupacabra, yeah, that probably exists, or at least some form of it. Um, there's way too many weird things of, like, livestock getting their, like, blood sucked, um, sightings of it the whole like, cattle mutilation thing like that yeah. ties into ufos you know that too there's just way too many like specifics for like physical specifics for some type of creature to exist mm-hmm. or something like th- that's causing it the Loch Ness monster uh the lake where they say it exists or where it is Loch Ness does have a whole bunch of like yeah it does have a whole bunch of like cave networks and stuff um well they did a study on Loch Ness too and they figured out that the vegetation and stuff like that that exists and the life that exists in Loch Ness could not support life for a creature as big as they say Loch Ness is right so um, that it, it could not live solely and survive inside Loch Ness because there is not a food source plenty enough for it to survive. Does that make sense? But who's to say the Loch Ness doesn't uh, maybe eat differently? What if it... There's essentially, from what I understand, there's essentially no... Oh, you mean like it absorbs sunlight and photosynthesizes? Yeah. What, if it, what if it was like an algae type because don't algae like they survive off of like sunlight and everything yeah i mean i guess that that idea for sure i mean anything is possible right but they they did like they because there's that like speculation about Loch Ness that like oh maybe it's just like it's a dinosaur that is still existing you know what i mean and uh, i don't remember the name like a plea it's like a plesiosaur or something like that that they say like it it like the descriptions of Loch Ness resemble like a Mm. plesiosaur or something like that and that 
a dinosaur, if it was a plesiosaur, it would need actual like, you know, vegetation and other life to feed on. You know what I mean? And, uh, but anyway, yeah, they actually, somebody spent the money and time to investigate, you know, could the, could Loch Ness actually even support a life form as big as a dinosaur? You know what I mean? Well, what if the U S government took all the birds that they oh took away and, Ooh, and fed them with drones, they've been feeding Nessie all these birds. I mean, it could solve the problem about food source. The big one, the big one for me that I that always like makes me wonder about this question with like cryptids is is Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> like to me when you we talked earlier about how all these different civilizations have their own flood myth and when you think about Bigfoot, all these other civilizations have a similar sort of being, right? That is like Yeti, right? Is a snow Bigfoot basically. And it's white. It has longer fur, you know, to keep it warmer in colder environments. It's like color. It's like a polar bear. Like exactly. You know what I mean? And so that just, to me, that sounds like evolving and adapting to your environment. You know what I mean? So it, it, why would a, a Bigfoot in the Pacific Northwest in the United States have white fur? It would stick out and it becomes an outlier in its community and would die off. You know what I mean? And that's just how animals are. Right. So to me, like, um, you know, all these Native American cultures have stories about, you know, in, about Bigfoot. Right. So to me, it's like it could have existed at some point or another. And, it, it you know, it's its existence has been passed down, as, you know, in lore and legend. And maybe it's just like the last several thousand Australopithecus or, you know, Homo habilis still wandering around and they become, you know, legend because they would wander into your camp and steal your baby or steal your food or kill somebody because it has a you know a, a more simple and rudimentary survivalist mentality you know what i mean and uh that but it doesn't i don't know to me like it, it that one makes sense to say like it could exist and may still exist because there are there are a lot of animals that are very, very good at hiding. And if they don't want you to see them, you won't see them, right? I get it. You know, this massive humanoid primate wandering around the forest, you know what I mean? Like somebody should have shot it by now or whatever. Like, and I agree, I understand and, and totally like see the reality in that. But if you are of, so of near human, of so few of them, if you are of near human yeah. intelligence, um, and there are stories about, you know, people encountering Bigfoots in the wild, you know what I mean? And ha finding broken rifles and people torn in half and their, ha you know, torso being tossed up into a tree. Like there's not a person on earth that could do something like that. You know what I mean? Nope. That I know of, you know, and, um, no, you know, exactly. You know, so it just, to me, that one makes the most sense about its validity and being being something legitimate yeah no and I, I would say bigfoot probably more or less does exist because um i remember reading they're saying that like you need at least like 50 of like a species and they would have to like cohabitate to make sure there's not like genetic deformities or that you don't like mess up um fertility or whatever right um but i would 
And then you have like animals that live a lot longer than other animals. Like like a cat lives like 15, 20 years. Like a mm-hmm. dog's usually like 10-ish years. We're about 100 currently. Um, but like the, uh, you, you can have some animals that live like, like tortoise. Yeah. Tortoise can live for like a thousand years. Um, who's to say that like Bigfoot just somehow doesn't like live for a long time mm-hmm. and they could just be on like their last few like what if there's only one left and just roaming around yeah. what if there's like 15 or something left and that could be high, entirely possible like you said if it's humanoidish and relatively intelligent then it would obviously know to avoid certain things and it would hide right. and it would it would know to like stick stay away from stuff so i would say yeah it probably more or less exists and you said uh most animals can like hide and they don't want to be seen like you don't see them like cougars a cougar dude. or a mountain lion like dude they'll I, stalk you for a while dude one of the creepiest experiences i've ever had in my life was just being stalked by a mountain lion in montana and having no idea yeah. about it until i got back to the yeah. truck like holy mm-hmm. shit i didn't see it i didn't know it was there i didn't hear anything Yep. But it happened. And it's like yep. holy crap. And like uh like special forces guys, they learn they can learn how to like walk without making a sound, without leaving a trace. Who's to say that like Bigfoot didn't naturally figure that out? Like Well yeah. It obviously would learn to like hide and stuff. But that begs the question, like we're obviously the apex predator on the planet or whatever. Um but like um, and it's just because of our intelligence. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. if I go toe to toe with a bear, if I'm naked and I fight a bear, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time I'm gonna lose. But if my intelligence kicks in, if you give me a gun, my success rate like completely changes, right? Yeah. Um, what I was getting at there is that like Bigfoot, uh, if he learned to like hide. And he learned to like stay quiet. Um, is it because he knows we are the apex predator, or is there something that hunts Bigfoots? Like that's something to think about too. Like that's even creepier. it's a big thing, and it needs to hide and be quiet and not be seen. Is something hunting Bigfoot that's even like more elusive? I, I mean, mean, maybe. I almost think that hunts the Bigfoot. <laughs> like those little dinosaurs from Jurassic Park they just hunt in packs. Yeah, yeah. Uh I think more so that <laughs> like it would be uh, who knows? Chupa packs. Um <laughs> if uh the Bigfoot itself is still an animal, right? And has despite its size, despite its intelligence, right, you know, still it has those instincts, right? To not well, not like a cougar. Well, no, absolutely, right? And we yeah, know when to, where to, and when to avoid danger, right? Mm-hmm. And we, despite, you know, I know those senses that we have of like detecting danger are are suppressed because of just the lifestyles we have. You know what I mean? But, but even like with your overintelligence, um, there's moments like fight or flight or freeze and stuff like mm-hmm. that's an instinct, instinctual effect, exactly and it will override all intelligence and that's like, what i'm saying is that that bigfoot you know is more animal than than human right yeah. that it has a healthy fear of humanity you know what i mean and knows that makes sense yeah to avoid right you're not going to wander into a bear's den okay because you know mm-hmm. you know in in 
and once again, these are just massive speculations. This is just a fun conversation at this point. But like enough about human society, buildings, cars, loud noises from construction, you know, whatever else, you know, you stay away. Like you don't understand that it causes you fear despite your massive size, right? You know, bears are still afraid. You could scare a bear off. You can, people have, you know what I mean? By by making yourself bigger or whatever, you know, you're, you're, scaring the shit out of this massive animal that could just maul you to death in seconds you know what i mean so it, those animal instincts override the like i know like a bear you know does it know it could fuck me up no yes at the same time though you know what i mean mm-hmm. but anyway yeah so like it's it's entirely plausible that there's a species especially if they're in small numbers and they're like a dying out like species that they could exist mm-hmm. and i, I I think I actually read the other day that like Bigfoot signs have gone down hmm. and that would make sense because they're dying out. That does make um, sense. So like if there's only a few left, they don't have enough to repopulate or whatever. And if they do live like a long time, like let's say they've lived like several hundreds of years, then it's entirely possible to see them every once in a while and they just kind of disappear. That's true. Um, and it, it goes into the idea. There was, it happens to other animals a, that are going extinct. Yeah. There was a species of bird that like the entire like human scientific like whatever community decided this bird was extinct because mm-hmm. they hadn't seen it in like 20 plus years doesn't exist like right. everywhere that they thought it would be it was gone they're like all right it's it doesn't exist anymore so we lost another one mm-hmm. and then out of the blue guess who shows back up the bird this bird and it's like in droves like hundreds thousands of them but they're like in a different location mm-hmm. no one ever thought to look there for this bird like all yeah. this stuff but they're like wait a minute so like if humanity lost a bird or a drone whatever you think it might be <laughs> um for like 20 plus years that yeah you could lose a couple maybe like a few bigfoots that are just kind of like easily around yeah well i mean this was definitely a good conversation and a fun and a long one, and I liked it. Uh, yeah. Popcorn Podcast number two, um, Zach Attack. I hope you guys feel like you know Zach a little bit better um, now. Um, awesome conversation with you, bro. Um, I'm really glad to have you on uh, the podcast. And, um, you know, you bring an element that I don't. Like, we like to joke around saying, you know, yin and yang for sure. Uh, and I agree with that completely. Um, you've yeah. been a good friend for a while and I'm really glad that, uh, you're, you're on the podcast with me, dude. Thank you very much. No, I, I love being here. I hope I can kind of like, uh, I tend to play devil's advocate a lot. So I tend to just kind of like, even if I don't believe in the idea, I'll just be like, well, what do you think about this? And mm-hmm. it just, I like to get a whole bunch of different ideas cause that's how I learn. I like to see everything from as many angles as I can before I make decisions going back to Aaron Love, I like to keep as many thoughts in my head as possible for making a decision, not just one. So, no, yeah. I'm excited to be here. I liked the stuff we got into today. It was it was fun. It's very interesting. It just kind of makes our brains work. And um, I hope people listening um, got a couple of the hints of future podcasts coming. Yeah, um, this ain't stopping. It's rolling and it's getting bigger. So 
Yeah, some really good guests coming up, like some really, really good guests coming up. So that I'm really excited for. And I'm considering about thinking about keeping a secret or thinking about letting the cat out of the bag. I don't know yet, but we can talk about it. But uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. This is uh, I Came With Fire podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, for our social media sites. You can listen to us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Um, Wherever you go find us, please subscribe. Please leave us a comment. That five-star rating, if the platform supports ratings, um, please, it it helps uh, our uh, visibility. helps us go a long way. We really appreciate all the positivity we get. Um, Please like, subscribe. It means a lot. You guys have a good night. Zach, you have a good night. And, uh, yeah, I came with Fire Podcast out. A rat. Woo. That was a good one. Twas. I would say it was better.